And we are on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR race review of Bristol Jerk. And uh, we have a big show in store for you tonight. Uh, in our first half hour, we're going to give you a few updates from the ARCA Menard Series, including the East and the West. They are on a rather long break right now, but we'll make sure everybody knows when the next races are going to take place. Then we're going to give you a few updates from the NASCAR Xfinity Series. They did not race this past weekend at Bristol, so we'll make sure you know when their next race is coming up. Uh, next, uh, starting at the 9 o'clock half hour, our guest is Austin Wayne Self. He will be joining our conversation. He uh, came home from Bristol this past weekend with a top 10 finish, his first top 10 of the season. So we're definitely looking forward to catching up with Austin Wayne Self on his uh, dirt race at Bristol. Then we'll review the Truck Series uh, race on the Bristol Dirt. And then at 9.30, our guest is Cole Raz, and he is a late model driver uh, in Oregon, and he's going to join the conversation, and we will talk to him about his 2021 season. Uh, And then after that, we get into our review of the NASCAR Cup Series on Dirt, and in the last... uh, hour uh, at 10 o'clock is our Hot Topic Sound Off with the Fan for Racing crew. And joining me now as co-host for tonight is Sal Segala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, good evening, Sharon. Thanks. Okay. Uh, we've got a really big night tonight with a lot to get in. So uh, we'll go ahead and get started, I guess, with the Harker Menard Series. Uh, they are on a rather long break here, but uh, I know that they've got some big races coming up here, and we'll review that uh, for those of you who may not know when those races are. We're going to give you the update right now. Um, first race, Sal, is for the Arkham Menard Series. They're racing again at another super speedway, Talladega Super Speedway, on April the 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. The General Tire 200 will be televised on Fox Sports 1. Yeah, just looking forward to this race again. Uh, you know, see them, see them at the, the big high banks super speedway and see how, they, uh, how the drivers fare this, this time around. Yeah, it was Corey Heim who won the uh, race at Daytona on the last super speedway that they raced on. Uh, this is kind of a rough patch here because we have such a long stretch before that next race uh, that uh, I know it seems like we're repeating, but in case there's new listeners tuning in, we want to make sure everybody knows when they can tune in to these races. Okay, the next race on the schedule would be for the Arkham and Art Series East. That's the Music City 200. This is going to be fun, Sal, on May the 8th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time at Nashville Fairground Speedway. Uh, that will be uh, live-streamed on TrackPass. So uh, fans uh, that are members of the NASCAR Gold uh, TrackPass will be able to watch that on uh, on that uh, venue. Uh, 
But if you don't have that, uh, Thursday, May the 13th at 1 p.m., NBC Sports Network will have the delayed broadcast. Yeah, that, that should be that should be really something to look forward to. Um, actually, the delayed broadcasts aren't aren't really too bad anymore. You know, especially for those you know that that don't get to watch it, that just really get to see the um, you know the um, the results. You know, that's I I don't know I and I'm going to say it again. I really miss Fan Choice TV when when they used to show all these races when they used to show all these races mm-hmm. for free. You know, where you can tune in. It was it was huge. I mean. And then for Fan Choice, well, of course, you know they sold out to NASCAR, and then NASCAR took over and um, you know, started charging for the um, to watch them. But so I mean, you know, you 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 know, we, at least you know, for those of us that were home, you know, we were able to see them live, you know, instead of waiting for yeah, the. Yeah, um, well, like you say though, the, the uh, delayed broadcast is pretty good too, and uh, yeah. I'll tell you if you want to see some good bumping and banging racing. Uh, that's what you're going to find in the Arkham Menard series, whether it's the main series, the East or the West. These guys put on a good show. Yeah, they. I mean, you know, it's 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 a it's a feeder series, it's an up up and coming series. You know, and uh, you know, it's you know, they're 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 doing what they can, you know, to try to you know, you know, give you know the younger drivers, you know, a you know track that they can race on, you know, without having to you know miss a whole season because. You know, because they can't race super speedways. So yeah, I mean, for the mm-hmm. younger drivers, you know, it's a it's a huge boost for them because, you know, at least they can race a series. You know, where they get to, where they can finish it, start it, or finish it. Well, and what I like about it too, Sal, is we see some crossovers. Some of the West drivers are racing in the East. Some East drivers are racing in the West, and then you've got. Some of the Arkham, some of those guys are racing in the Arkham Menard series or in the Sioux Chief Showdown. So you really get to see uh, a good show when these guys get on the track. Now, speaking of the Sioux Chief Showdown, within the Arkham Menard's 20 race schedule, there are 10 races in which drivers can go for a second championship, the Sioux Chief Showdown champion. And the first race takes place on May the 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at Toledo Speedway. The Earth's Potato Chips 200 will be televised on Math TV so that fans uh, can watch that race. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, the, yeah, that that um, Sioux Chief. I, I think we were talking about it a little bit about it last week, you know, and, you know, and, and, you know, talking, you know, about how, you know, they get a chance to, um, you know, kind of like a, like a series, you know, a championship, you know, for the drivers you know, who who can't actually, you know, run, run a whole full ARCA series, you know, and then, you know, they got their mm-hmm. kind of like, it's kind of crazy the way they, they kind of did like a, how would you say it? Like a, like a series within a series, within a series, within a series. Yeah. You got the, <laughs> Arca, you got the Arca East, you got the Arca West, and then you got the Sioux Chief. So you have like four series within each other. So, you know, it gives the drivers, you know, a chance to, if they really want to race for a championship, you got four series to take a pick of. That's true. That's true. There's four chances for these drivers to go after a championship within the Arca Menards umbrella. Okay, so uh, the last race we're going to talk about here tonight is uh, the Arkham Art Series West, 
The General Tire 200 will take place on June the 5th at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, that's 5 p.m. Eastern Time, at Sonoma Raceway. That's the road course. And, again, it will be available on NBC Gold's Track Pass for live streaming. And let me take a look. Sonoma's uh, uh, broadcast on NBC Sports Network will be on Wednesday, June the 9th, at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. So if everybody wants to mark their calendars or check their local listings to make sure we've got the correct time here, uh, that would be great. But uh, it's really fun watching the Arkham and Art series. I really miss them uh, this time of the year when we have this really long break. And I'm sure the drivers would, would rather be on the track here as well, but uh, it is what it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they really stretch this one they really they really stretch this this one out from from race to race and and i mean and, and even you know it seems like every year they take one more race off the schedule and they're this you know the championship you know is is down to single digits instead of you know double digits like it was before you know like we like i spoke you know last week you know we're not seeing kern which i wish we could see kern you know it's one of the tracks because i know that's one of the tracks mm-hmm. that the drivers really really enjoyed coming to was was to kern but, um, you know, NASCAR, ARCA, Menard, you know, they have to do what they have to do, you know, to try and keep the the, the series, you know, afloat. And if this is the way it's going to be for the next who knows how long, you know, I guess this is just something, you know, that we as fans are just going to have to get used to. Yeah, that's true. Um, I will say that uh, with one race in the books in the ARCA West, it's Ty Gibbs that's leading uh, the series point standings by just six points over Corey Heim and seven points over Thad Moffitt. Uh, Kyle Sieg is nine points back, and Derek Krause ten points back. Again, that's just one race in. Ty Gibbs is an East driver, as is Corey Heim. Thad Moffitt, uh, Kyle Sieg, and Derek Krause is from the West, but he's racing full-time in the truck series this season. Yeah, and, and you know what, and, and then, too, you know, we also have to take into account, you know, that this was also a um, a race that was run at, um, you know, you know, we went back to, you know, the roots of the, well, not mm-hmm. really the roots, but back to what we were used to with the, you know, with Arkham Nards West was, <coughs> was starting the season out at Phoenix and ending at Phoenix, you know, which was always, you know, exactly. Phoenix always, you know, brought out, you know, a lot of extra drivers, and it made for, yeah. you know, a really good race. Yeah, that that is true. In the east, it's Sammy Smith at the top of the list. Uh, Taylor Gray is eight points back. Max Gutierrez, nine points back. Mason Diaz at ten points back. And Joey Iced at, uh, or Joey East at uh, 15 points back. So, yeah, that's a tight battle there as well. They have two races under their belt, so... Uh, Will be interesting to see how this continues to progress. Yeah, it's it's we're gonna see how you know how how things um you know how how things uh, like you say you know how things progress you know you know in the future with the next you know few years you know I'm sure they're still you know working out some you know NASCAR's you know said that you know they're gonna be working out some things with this series so you know we'll see exactly you know what you know what route they take you know I know with the pandemic you know they kind of had to stop and 
and regroup. You know, That's so it, it's going to be, uh, you know, you know. So hopefully this season, when we, like when we talked to Chris Knight last week, you know, he was saying hopefully by the end of the season, you know, we'll be able to get back to somewhat normalcy. Hopefully in 2022 yes. we, we can get back to full normalcy. That's true. Okay, in the Arkham and Art series, we've got Corey Heim at the top of the list. Two points back is Ty Gibbs, then Drew Dollar, nine points back. Kyle Sieg, 12 points back, and Thad Moffat runs out the top five here at 26 points back. So, uh, again, you hear a lot of repetition with some of these names, and it speaks to exactly what we were talking about, uh, that a lot of these drivers are racing in all of these series, uh, at least select races. And uh, right now we're seeing them on the standings uh, across the board. Yeah, it's 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 like you know you know like you know as as the season goes on, you know what each driver you know is going to focus on whatever their their series they're mostly running. And like like example, Derek Krause, I don't think we're going to see him in another Arkham and Art series right. the rest of the season. Well, possibly the last race will probably be his. The next one he will run will probably be the uh, will be the one in Phoenix again. But other than that, you know, I I don't think we're going to see Derek Krause in another um, in another um, Arkham and Arts uh, West East or uh, Sayu Chief Championship or anything like that. Sayu Chief, yeah, yeah, that's Sioux Chief. true. There you go, Sayu Chief. Yeah. Okay, um, we're going to go ahead and move on, Sal, to the Xfinity Series. Again, the Xfinity Series did not race. They're kind of on a long break right now, too. Uh, they did not race on the Bristol Dirt this year, uh, but we'll see what happens next year. Uh, their last race was uh, their last race was the Echo Park 250, and that was at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, but their next race is going to be the Cookout 250 at Martinsville Speedway. I hope I'm on the right page here because for some reason I thought they were at Richmond. That might be the uh, truck series. Uh, they'll be racing Friday, April the 9th uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern time, and that will be televised on Fox Sports 1 and the radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio, uh, 250 laps. So uh, it's, Martinsville is always a fun race, Sal. I always look forward to this one. Oh yeah, it, it's 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 definitely going to be a fun race to see, um, you know. And it's funny because some of the fans were even cracking jokes that you know, let's let's put dirt on Martinsville next, you know, since they <laughs> since they just did. Um, but I mean, there there's no way they're going to do a mile. You, you there? I don't I don't even think there's such thing as a mile dirt track anywhere. I I I even made a comment and said, heck, if that's the case, since they're going since next year is going to be. Um, Auto Club Speedway's, you know, last race on a two-mile. Let's just make it a dirt. Anyways, they're going to tear down the track. So <laughs> you just they, they don't have to worry about removing the dirt because the whole the whole track is coming down. So, you know, hey, let's. Uh, right. But. Uh, do you want to cover the driver's points for the uh, Arc, uh, the Xfinity Series after Atlanta? Yeah, let me. I was just there. Then something happened to my computer. It just wanted to uh, switch over to another um, here I got it right here driver's points okay um, okay 
Jayski needs to uh he needs to um check out what's going on with his uh with this thing because when I clicked the driver's points it gave me the driver's points for the for the cup series. Crazy. Here we go. Okay, well I've got it here. I I, I have it. Okay, here we go. So Austin okay. Cedric is leading the points. Daniel Hemrick's in second. Harrison Burton, AJ Allmendinger, and Justin Haney were off the top five. Wow. They have enough. Yeah. They all kind of stayed, stayed put right where they're at. I guess nobody wants to make a move yet. Maybe they're waiting until after Martinsville, and then they'll start making some moves. But <laughs> well, anyways. I the only one with two wins. So. Yeah. And then from okay, there, they'll go down. The next... And, um, the next five is uh, is Jeb Burton, Myatt Snyder, Justin Algeyer, who just picked up a win, Jeremy Clements, and Brandon Jones round out the top ten. And then, of course, we take the top 12, so we go to Brandon Brown and Riley Herps actually round out the the um, the top 12 right now for the for the chase for the championship for the playoffs. Yeah, that's for the playoffs. that's uh, pretty cool. Now, if we were to look at the drivers that are winning, it would be Austin Sendrick with two victories, AJ Allmendinger with one, Maya Snyder would move up to third place and Justin Algauer would move up to fourth place because they all have victories. Uh and uh that's pretty cool. Uh you know, well, it, it's but not, then you forgot uh, Ty Gibbs. Oh, Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs yeah. is at nineteenth. Yeah, that's Ty gives right a move up into the, into the spot. So basically, he's he kick been Riley on a Herbs part-time out. schedule. Yeah. Well, for, from what I understood, he's going to be running. I know he's running for the Rookie of the Year, so if he's running for the Rookie of the Year, chances are he's running for, you know, for the championship too. But basically, he, exactly. would, he would kick Riley Herbs right now out, out, of the, out of the top 12. You're right, because with that victory, that would move him up into the top 12. And uh, he's done that, Sal. He's only raced two starts. He's had two starts uh, versus the other guys who all have six starts, and he's already qualified into uh, the playoffs. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch. Who are the guys on the bottom of the bubble, Sal? The guys on the bottom of the bubble would be – Actually, the only one would be Riley Herps would be, oh, Brandon Brown would be on the bubble then because Riley would be pushed mm-hmm. out. So it would be Brandon Jones and Brad, Brandon and Brandon, the Jones, Brandon Jones and Brandon Brown would be the, would be the two, uh, would be the two bubble drivers because Riley, Herp, Riley Herps would be out. He'd be on the so bottom of the line. He'd, yeah, he'd, he'd be basically, Riley would be sitting 13th right now. So, that's, I mean, that's something, all these drivers that are below cut line, that's something that they have to look at, too, is to remember that they, they're going to have to insert, even though Ty Gibbs is way at the bottom, they're going to have to insert Ty Gibbs in there somewhere, you know, as they're, right. you know, when it gets closer, you know, closer towards the end of the season. Right. But those points are really tight in there. When you think about Riley Earps and Michael Lynette, they're only one point apart. Uh, Brandon Brown is at, at 135. You've got Riley Earps at 142. And Michael Lynette at 143. Then it's Noah Gregson at 163 with Landing Castle at 165. So there's some battles going on uh, in that section there uh, between oh, the no, drivers. You know that, no, no, uh, no, Noah, Noah's 100, 
Noah's 163 points out of Austin Cedric. Actually, Noah only has 114 right. points, and Michael Nett has 134. So the 163 is what Noah is out from. Oh, from, you're right. Uh, you're right. But Austin. it's still one point. Yeah. Or it's still a close uh, battle there. You're right. It's 135 for Riley, 134 for Michael Lynette, 114 for Noah Gregson versus 112. Yeah, so for Landon Castle. So, yeah. And it's good to see Landon Castle back uh, in in the game here. Yeah, so, I mean, um, Noah's, I mean, I, I'm sure he, I, I don't know. I mean, everyone, you know, he, he should make the playoffs. But, I mean, anything can happen. I mean, shoot, Kyle Bush almost did make it last year. <laughs> you know, so. Yep, yep. You know, I mean, there's no well, guarantees. And, I mean, you know, you know what? He could get a win, and that's going to pop him up over on the top side of the the line there. So, um, same thing with Landon Castle, I suppose, or Michael Lynette, uh, Riley Earps. Those guys are all capable of uh, getting a win. So we'll have to see what happens. That you know that that's true. You know it's it's um you know. Or else he can be the, the you know another Las Vegas boy you know that goes winless for the season you know and almost doesn't make the chase. Maybe yeah, follows the Kyle Busch's footsteps you know. I mean, <laughs> he's having a tough season. Kyle Busch had a tough season he last is. year you know. I mean, you know he's having a tough season and you know you hope everything's gonna you know kind of flip around you know turn around you know and and you mm-hmm. know he'll start you know getting all he needs is it's just a bunch of good finishes you know, to get those those points and hope that Annette and Herbst and the rest of them, you know, have bad finishes. Well, I think what it illustrates, too, is that it's not an easy transition for everybody uh, to move from the truck series into the Xfinity series and then on up to the cup series. Um, it, you know, you, you, everybody wants to be able to do it, but uh, the transition it's not as easy as it looks. And so uh, these guys that are that are at the top of this list, these are the drivers that uh, have really put in uh, a lot of effort to be where they're at. And it's great to see drivers like Myatt Snyder, uh, you know, getting that victory, A.J. Allmendinger getting a victory, uh, Austin Sindrick with two, uh, and Justin Algauer. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, but there's going to be more drivers that are going to come up with victories. And so we're going to see you know, this kind of jumble up, I think, before it's all said and done. You know what? And, and, and you made a good point. You know what? You, when you start talking about, you know, the Austin Sidricks, the Daniel Hamricks, you know, the A.J. Allmendingers, they didn't, they didn't bring the money into the series that the Noah Gregson brought in. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, you really, I mean, as much as people hate to say it, and, and I, I know social media is lighting up with it now, and, and even um, Mike Joyce made a comment about that, said the same thing. You know what? Yeah. You know, these guys, they got to realize just because they're bringing in all this cash, it's not going to guarantee them a spot in the playoffs. You know, you, you still got to work for that spot. And, and it's, and, you know, maybe no one's realizing that now, you know, that, hey, you know what, I'm going to, sure, I'm in a JRM car. But you know what? Um, you know, I, I I still have to perform. You know, in order. And as it gets closer and closer, if he's in this position, come towards the, the end of the season, you you know that pressure is it's just going to mount more and more because he has a, uh, you know, he's got something to uphold. You know, for being in, in 
good equipment, you know, and looking at, you know, mm-hmm. all the other guys. I mean, Justin Haley, I mean, he's, he's got the talent to be there. Jeb Burton is proving that his talent has a point that because we followed Jeb for a lot of years, you know, yep. and, and, you know, now he's giving decent equipment. I mean, he's making the best of it. I mean, you know, you got to look at Absolutely. drivers like that. Jeremy, Jeremy Clements, Brandon Brown, I mean, Brandon Jones, not Brandon Brown, but like Brandon what, Jones. I mean, I we followed him. I want to make a quick point before we get too far away from it. Uh, in the in the interview with uh, Mike Joy, one of the comments that he made that I thought was uh, really really good was his comment about showing respect uh, to the sport and the drivers in the sport, and and that's the thing that I think uh, a lot of the newer drivers coming in sometimes forget about how much effort a lot of these other guys have put into. Uh, this sport, even if they're not at the top of the line, they put a lot of time and effort into being where they are and supporting the sponsors that they have on their car uh, by being out there on the racetrack every week. So uh, a lot of his message had to do with the respect that these young guys are showing to the other drivers on the track. And that, I think, is a really, really important point. Yeah, it is. It is very a very, very, very important point. You know what? And and I think the reason we're not seeing it as much now as we did back in the day is because kids are starting out a lot younger, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. You know, they're putting them in late models with the big V motor in it. These kids, their egos are just exploding. You know, they're, you know, they go to school and their friends aren't even allowed to push a lawnmower, you know, but yet these kids <laughs> are out racing on the weekends, you know, and these, you know, cars are doing, you know, 100 105, you know, 110 miles an hour, you know, around these half-mile tracks, you know, big V8 mm-hmm. motors, you know, motors motors that are more powerful than what their mom and dad are driving in the streets, you know, and, mm-hmm. and of course, you get a young kid, their ego is going to blow off the handle. Yep, yep, that is so true. You know, our guest that's coming up here at 9 o'clock, Sal, he's put a lot of effort into uh, making a name for himself in the NASCAR truck series. And hasn't always been one of those guys that races up at the front, uh, but has put a tremendous amount of effort into his career. And uh, this weekend on Bristol Dirt, he came home with his first top ten finish this season. So uh, pretty cool to see that happen for Austin Wayne South and AM Racing. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, and I, I think we've had him. On, on, you know, on, on the show before, you know, and to, to see the, you know, finish that he got this past weekend, especially on the dirt and, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, he, he just, just, just with the, just with this competitive as a truck series has, has become, you know, they, they throw the dirt in there to make it even harder, you know, and to get the finish that he had. I mean, that, that speaks volumes of, you know, of, you know, how much work that he puts into his work ethic, you know, that he put into, you know, into his, you know, into his driving career, you know, and, and, you know, and to get the finish that he did, because I'll tell you that finish did not come easy. No, it did not. Uh, it, there were a lot of unknowns with this dirt track race at Bristol. Sal, did you get a chance to watch the truck, truck race? Yeah, I watched it. And, and, uh, I, I watched the first night when they only went one lap and that was it. And then I, of course, and I watched <laughs> on, on, on Monday, you know, when they finished it out. And, um, you know, there's a lot of beating and banging, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, even some of the remarks that Kevin Harvick made, you know, Kevin, I, I don't know what I'm doing out here. You know what? I have no clue. 
You know what? He came mm-hmm. flat out and said, you know, I, I don't know if I should be high, if I should be low, if I should be in the middle. He goes, I'm just driving. Mm-hmm. He goes, I, I follow one guy. The next thing you know, he's going low, so I'm following him, and I'm losing spots, and I'm going high. He says, I have no clue what I'm doing. He goes, I'm just sitting behind the wheel and just trying to stay out of trouble. Well, you, you know, know and, and, and I thought the fini- I thought uh, the same thing uh, from Daniel Suarez. He kind of said, I have no idea what I'm doing, but he was having a lot of fun because he was leading the race, which was fantastic. He he could he was in as much in disbelief as anybody else uh, at how well he did on the Bristol dirt. You know, but I I think the quote of the day had to be. Clinton Boyer, when he was talking about Kevin Harvick and how, how he's a clean freak, you know, he doesn't like to be dirty. And, and Clinton would say, man, he goes, he goes, Kevin is going crazy there. He goes, he goes, he's all dirt. He goes, he goes, he's probably wearing like four pair of goggles so you could take each one off just to make sure, you know, he has, he's wearing something clean. But when they're showing the in-car, the in-truck camera and how dusty it was, and he goes, and he kept saying, he goes, he goes, Kevin is hating life right now. But um, it was good. It was it was good yeah. to see him out there. It was good to see Daniel Suarez out there with the trucks, you know, and um, you know, and and uh, you know, it was uh, it was a, it was a good show. Kyle Larson too, you know, even mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was uh, it was a good mix up of uh, well, of drivers the out there. People that we thought would do really good, the the dirt road race drivers, uh, the dirt drivers. Uh, some of them didn't do as well as we thought they were going to be doing. And uh, some of the ones that we never suspected would do well ended up with really good races. So I thought it was fantastic. I love it when that happens. So uh, it's top of the hour now, so we're going to go ahead and bring our guest in. Uh, And we haven't talked to him in a while, but we followed Austin Wayne's self for quite a long time even before he came into NASCAR and before he was part of the Arkham Menard series and the K&N Pro Series, uh, we've been following Austin Wayne Self. So, uh, first of all, Austin, thank you for joining us tonight. I know we gave you short notice, but I'm so happy you were able to come on the show. Yeah, of course. It's, it's always great to get to come back. I know we've been talking for a long time, so it's kind of cool to, to get, get to come back. Um, and uh, especially especially this season, it's been a been a pretty fun season so far. And of course, uh, Bristol Dirt was uh, some some uh, was definitely an event to remember. I bet it was. I'll tell you what, nobody knew what to expect in this Bristol Dirt race. Uh, not the fans, not the drivers, or anybody else. Had you have, have you been a dirt racer in the past, Austin? Um, I, I, I wasn't, so the only dirt racing experience I ever had, uh, before this year was, you know, of course, ARCA, uh, goes to the coin in Springfield. Right. Um, and then truck series, you know, we went to the Eldora, um, and I did that for, I guess I did that three times. Um, and so this year, you know, during the pandemic and whatnot, I got to thinking and, you know, I always had pretty, pretty decent runs on the dirt and in the truck series, you know, I had a pretty couple of good runs at Eldora, uh, top 10 finishes and whatnot. And, and so I, I, I was always really interested to go dirt racing, you know, to drive something that's actually supposed to be on dirt. So, uh, I've, uh, got, got with uh, a good friend of mine, Buck Stevens and, 
And uh, so I, I have two real uh, uh, 602 crate modified races under my belt. But other than that, uh, no, I didn't. I, I never had. I, I, I call it uh, experience on dirt in a real dirt car. I never had had anything before <laughs> the season, and and uh, I I don't know if that helps or hurts. You know, you look at this fast weekend, and and um, you know, there's a big difference uh, trying to drive these asphalt cars on dirt, and it's kind of its own unique thing, and and so I I kind of laugh, and and I'm not sure if it hurts or helps to, to have a lot of dirt experience, you know, because, uh, it's totally different animal. Um, it's, it's, they're both a lot of fun. And, and I think racing these, these, uh, wheel trucks on the dirt is, um, is a lot of fun. And, and I always feel like the racing is really good too. Well, one of the things I was a little bit concerned about going into the race was the fact that, uh, they were racing in heavier, cars than you what normally run on dirt tracks and then secondly the fact that there it's not as much as bristol is normally banked but there's a little bit of banking and usually when you think of a dirt track you don't think of how any banking on the track so how how, talk to us about what that was like uh racing out there with the banking and uh with the heavier vehicles yeah yeah, so I, you know, like I said, I've gotten my two. I plan on doing uh, a lot more racing in that modified, just because it, su- it was such a blast. I, I really enjoyed uh, doing the dirt racing, and and um, you know the the dirt cars, you know they they race on dirt. That's what they're built to uh, the the race on. You know, you got the the rear ends. Everything in the dirt car uh, does what it needs to do to drive on dirt. You know, they're they handle so well on dirt. You know. Um, and, and, uh, and then you get these, the stock cars, like I said, we, there's, there's really nothing we can do, um, you know, the underneath the, underneath the hood that, that you would normally do with the, with a dirt car, you know? So, um, of course we don't run the splitters or side skirts, stuff like that, but, uh, you know, the, the nose of the truck gets torn up just because it's, it's down into the racetrack and whatnot, but, um, like I said, it, it, it's a little bit different, you know, it's a lot more, you know, I kind of compare it to, we ran at Cherokee in the, the open wheel modified and it's a Cherokee gets real dry slick and, um, the line starts to run on the bottom single file and you're really just trying to get the best run off the corner. You know, your drive off is the most important thing. And, and that's really why I compared, you know, driving these, um, you know, like I said, the, the campground trucks or any, any stock car that's supposed to be, supposed to be on asphalt um it's all about drive off and and uh and you know after this past weekend you know it's, you kind of realize that's it's about uh keeping the the right rear on on the car and, and saving the right rear but uh you know of, of course bristol was so unique uh you know with like you said with the banking that um you know i i don't know if i you know really knows the whole lot i mean the banking you could carry a, a heck of a lot more speed through the corner than than you ever did at eldora um but the atmosphere there was just the i think the thing that really put everything aside you know um bristol is already a place where you go through the tunnel and it's uh you know like they say it's the last great coliseum and it stands all around it's um <laughs> you know you get lost in the racetrack 
you know, there's nothing else in the world exists because you can't see anything but the sky uh, and the racetrack and the stands around it. So, uh, and then putting dirt yeah. on it is such a new, you know, adds to the atmosphere. Um, and I think, I think the other thing is, you know, it's, you just don't know, you know, everybody's got to figure the racetrack out and uh, it's a new experience. And, and, um, you know, I feel like to a certain point, um, everybody on the level playing field you know nobody's got past experience and we all kind of showed up and you know uh got a little bit of practice to try to figure out what we thought we needed for the race and and um i think i think me and uh my crew chief ryan solomon and the rest of the aim racing guys did a really good job in practice to to uh figure out what we needed for the race but but yeah it's, it's uh such an amazing atmosphere uh, like I said, to show up at Bristol, but to show up to Bristol on dirt, especially after, uh, you know, they haven't done it in, in 20 years. I think there's some drivers in there that weren't even born uh, the last time they had dirt, dirt on Bristol. Yeah. yeah that's so. amazing. That's amazing. Now, our, our uh, co-host is here tonight, too, and I know he's biting at the bit. He's got some questions for you as well, Austin. Sweet. Hey, Austin, first of all, welcome back. I know it's been a while since we've had you on the show. Um, God, congrats on that 10th place finish. I know it was, man, from what we've seen from our seats, I can't imagine what it was like from your vantage point. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, well, first of all, it was, I, I kind of rewatched a little bit a little bit of the race last night just to see, you know, if I could learn a little bit, a little bit from it. Uh, yeah, it, the racing was awesome. And I mean, I, I was looking at the field, and um, that—that's something to remember too. I mean, the, the field was stacked. I mean, uh, you looked at the, the the scoreboard on the side of the TV, and you, and, and you look at the top twenty, top twenty-five. You know, you had all kinds of great drivers, uh, rather it be truck that's series right. regulars that that are really great drivers. Um, I spent a lot of time, you know, around Stuart Friesen, which is a, a big dirt guy. Uh, Kevin Harvick getting to run side by side with Kevin Harvick. You know he doesn't he doesn't come uh, come down the Truck Series or even the Xfinity, Xfinity Series very often. Um, so running side by side with him to me was uh, a pretty special moment. You know, and uh, of course Kyle Larson was out there. Uh, it was it was really cool. You know, like I said, I felt like we had a really good day. And, and um, you know, looking back where we were running, you know, in the, in, in the top ten, whatnot. Um, looking back at how stacked the field really was, I think it just made it that more that much more special uh, to realize, you know, we really we really did earn it. You know what I mean? You looked at some of the guys that came behind us, and um, and not only was it a good weekend, but um, it's going to set up set us up well for Richmond, which is a place that uh, we had a really fast truck last year. So, um, you know, the momentum's there. We finally got got things going in in uh, a good direction, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. Oh, okay. So with, with the so with the outcome of the race, did did you expect to see Larson and and you know? you know, how the problems he has, you know, not only so much with him, you know, but some of the, you know, some of the more front runners like Harvick, you know, of, of course, you know, you spoke about Stuart Friesen too. Yeah. You know, it, and, and like I said, um, you know, I, I knew, I knew we were going to bring a, a really good piece. You know, I, I felt really confident that we were going to be competitive and, um, you know, our goal was to, to run up front 
you know, um, you know, start knocking down some top tens and whatnot. Um, so, so part of me, you know, I, I, I kind of look at it and, you know, we talk about Stewart being, you know, the, the, you know, the master on dirt, you know, at least, at least the guys out of NASCAR garage, you know, he's, he's one we always look at to be, uh, you know, racing for, for a win on the dirt track. But, um, you know, like I said, in practice and whatnot, there's, there's a lot of other things involved. You know, we were out there for three days with, with, uh, downpouring rain. So you really could not predict what the racetrack would be like when we showed up Monday morning. And, um, I think that had a little bit to do with it, but, um, like I said, you know, uh, it was such a stacked field. It was, it was, it was difficult to pass towards the end of the race. Um, you really had to make some smart decisions. Um, I think for sure for me, you know, Kyle Larson was definitely one. He's, he's been hitting it. Um, and the, you know, he's, he's got a cup series win this year. He's made his uh, big comeback, which is really cool to see. And, um, it was definitely, I guess, I guess a little bit surprising that you didn't see a couple of those guys up front. Even in the cup race, I was really, really shocked, you know, that, uh, some of the guys that I think everyone expected to be up there, um, you know, just didn't have the day they thought they would. But, um, you know, I, I looked at the field and, and it was a stacked field. You know, I think, uh, these, these, like I said earlier, you know, the dirt cars drive a lot different on dirt and, and this is a, this is a brand new thing, you know, um, to try to drive these these stock cars on on dirt that aren't supposed to be on dirt, uh, it's a brand new thing. But <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say I was a little little surprised. But um, as stacked as the field field was, um, you know, I, I didn't think you know Stewart running where he was ninth and tenth. You know, he might have been a little disappointed. But um, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rag on anybody because, like I said, the, the whole top 25 were were all guys that you see, you know. Uh, running in the top 10 on, uh, on any given weekend. So, well, I, Austin, I just want to say congrats on that 10th place finish and good luck the rest of the season. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Austin, in addition to that, I want to congratulate you also on being 10th in the series point standings. That means you're in the playoffs <laughs> as of right now. Uh, in that 10th place spot. So how are you feeling about that? And you mentioned Richmond. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, about the rest of this season? Well, we, you know, the, the beginning, of the schedule beginning of the season has been kind of, you know, different than, than the years past, you know, starting on the Super Speedway, which is a, is a kind of a dice roll race, and then a road course, uh, a couple mile and a half. Atlanta's kind of in its own category when it comes to mile and a half, um, and then of course mm-hmm. a dirt race. So uh, it's already been such a diverse start to the season. Um, and and I think I think when we sat down at the beginning of the year, um, after the last few races we had at the end of the season, um, we kind of expected to have a, a better start. You know, we, we expected to finish a little better at some of the races. You know, we thought uh, Daytona, you know, kind of is what it is. But the road course, you know, we we were having a good run. And, and um, you know, we, we felt felt like we, we didn't quite get the finish we deserved. You know, Vegas could have been a little bit better here or there. But um, uh, then we look back and it's like, well, some of these other guys haven't had the best weekends either. Um, so we just need to get, get ourselves um, – in position 
uh, and start having some good finishes. Um, and this weekend was, you know, fortunately a good start for us to to put point this point this thing back in the in the right direction. And and ultimately our our goal is to make the playoffs. And um, and I feel very confident we can do it. Um, we just gotta keep heading in the right direction. Of course, you know you got guys like Brett Moffitt uh, behind us, uh, but. You know, I, like I said, I, this race team, the same racing team with Kevin Swinski, Ryan Solomon, Jeff Merritt, Todd, all these guys uh, are really, they are really, really good uh, working on these cars. We have such a good chemistry. And um, and I, I, I'm looking forward. Richmond last year was, was one where, you know, we had a, a really great piece. Ryan Solomon uh, was behind uh, the setup last year at Richmond and, and, um, you know, the, the, uh, results really didn't show it. You know, we, we, uh, we had a lot go on between, uh, a penalty on pit road and, and, uh, instant and the pit stop. And then of course, Johnny Sauter losing his head a little bit and getting into me. And, <laughs> and uh, we actually, we were a lap down and had the penalty started in the back and, and unlapped ourselves and then, and then start gaining positions again towards the the end of the third segment. So, um, like I said, I, I'm I'm super pumped for it um, this weekend. You know, we we also moved up in, in owners points, so we're I think we're 11th or so in owners points. So, um, with a good finish this past weekend, um, we should should be starting in a pretty good position. So, um, I'm definitely excited for Richmond, but um, I think we're more than capable to to make the playoffs. Um, but it's it's definitely not going to be easy, of course. You know, like I said, you look at the the other guys we're racing against, and you're talking about uh, uh, a guy we're ahead of in points right now that that's won a championship, and and um, yeah, it's going to be difficult. But uh, I don't think we're I don't think we're you know quite we're not here by luck. You know, I think I think we have equipment and and a team that can can make the playoffs. Um, we just got to keep our nose clean and, and uh, keep having uh, some great momentum. Well, I'll tell you what, we're real excited for you, Austin, and AM Racing uh, with what your results are. And and uh, this is shaping up, I think, to be one of your best seasons ever, uh, which is the tagline that NASCAR is using uh, for uh, the Cup Series as well. But uh, I think that same tagline would work uh, pretty well for your situation. So thank you so much for being on the show with us tonight. I wish we had more time, uh, but unfortunately we're running out of time, so we have to say goodnight. But, uh, again, congratulations on your top ten as well as uh, your top ten finish at Bristol as well as the uh, top ten in the series point standings. Uh, I look forward to watching you the rest of the season. I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. It's it's always great to talk with with you guys and and um, hopefully here before too long down the road I get to talk to you guys again about uh, how how this is the best <laughs> the best season ever. <laughs> the, the schedule oh, okay. the schedule is definitely awesome. Yes, it is. I love the schedule uh, this year. Like you say, there's a lot of diversity and everything else. So uh, I I've really always enjoyed the truck series uh, for a long time. And uh, uh, I, I just think it's uh, probably uh, 
going to continue to be uh, a good season, and we can't wait to see what happens next. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, but well, thank we, you guys so much for, for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, we'll definitely tap you on the shoulder again before the season is out, Austin, so watch for that. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I appreciate it. Take, thank you. Okay, take care now. All right, that is Austin Wayne Self. He is the uh, driver of the number 22 for AM Racing in the NASCAR Truck Series. And I always have a lot of fun talking with Austin. He always gives us such great information, Sal. Yeah, he does. He um, that that is definitely for sure. He did give us a lot of information today on you know what's going on with the team and. You know, you can hear the excitement in his voice, you know, talking about, you know, how the season's going. Because, you know, this is, you know, it's, I mean, it, it's like a dream season for him, you know, to, you know, to be up, you know, sitting, you know, you know, in the top 10 of points, you know, it's like that, you know, for any driver. Exactly, exactly. And I, I just, uh, uh, I really enjoyed the uh, truck series race on the Bristol Dirt as well as the Cup Series race. Uh, out there, and to hear that they're going to do it again next year, I think is pretty exciting as well. But now we've got to move to our review of the truck series at uh, in the, the Camping World Truck Series at Bristol Motor Speedway. Martin Truex Jr. Uh, in that number 51 for Kyle Busch Motorsports is the driver who won the Penty's Dirt Truck Race. Uh, at Bristol this weekend, and uh, Ben Rhodes finished up in second, followed by Raphael Assard, Todd Gilliland, Chase Briscoe, Grant Infinger, Zane Smith, Parker Kligerman, Austin Hill, and of course in the number 22, Austin Wayne Self, rounding out the top 10. Yeah, it was a... Uh... It wasn't much of a race for, for the win. It was more of a race for everybody from second on down. Truex kind of ran away with it and, and just dominated. And it seemed like nobody – Ben Rhodes kind of in the, in the last segment, in the last stage, you know, he kind of made a run at him. But um, Truex just, you know, turned out to be the class of the field. His truck was, you know, hooked up. And, uh, gosh, I mean <laughs> – what a dominating what a what a dominating win. Yes, indeed. It was a dominating win. He swept all three stages. He broke a streak of seven consecutive drivers who failed to win the final stage after winning the first two. So uh I also read that uh he's one of several drivers that have now won in all three of NASCAR's uh series as well. So that's pretty cool. Uh, there were 11 lead changes among six drivers, 12 cautions for 54 yellow flag laps. The average speed was 41.96 miles per hour. That's amazing. Uh, but uh, uh, who knew that Martin Truex was going to be as good as he was on dirt? Yeah, that's true. You know, and he almost – he almost – uh, no, I, I'm sorry. That was that was a cup race that he almost had. The, I thought it was the truck race he almost had the wreck that he almost got caught up. But um, yeah, he stayed he stayed pretty clean throughout the whole race. Um, mm-hmm. You know, once again, you know, you know, everybody expected you know either you know Stuart Friesen or even um, uh, um, 
gosh, I'm at a, I'm, I'm at a loss for for drivers right now. Even um, you know, for Kyle Larson or Kyle Larson. Sheldon Creed. Yeah. Sheldon Creed. Sheldon Creed. Gosh, he started out. Sheldon Creed started out strong. I mean, he kind of picked up from where he left off. You know, you know, in the, in the previous years, you know, when it comes to dirt, you know, because Sheldon Creed also, you know, has won in the Can-Am's West Series, you know, and, and, and on the dirt in, in Las Vegas. So, I mean, you know, when you talk about experience on dirt, I think Sheldon was one of them. You know, that was up there. You know, as one of the favorites. You know, to win this thing. Absolutely, and you know, when you think about it. And you think about, uh, uh, you know, Austin brought this up, that he was racing with some really big-name drivers in this race. Uh, You know, when you had drivers like uh, Bubba Wallace, who finished in 11th, Stuart Friesen, he finished ahead of Stuart Friesen, Matt Crafton, who's won on dirt before, Kevin Harvick, Daniel Suarez, Haley Deegan, who's a dirt racer, Carson Hosevar, another dirt racer, uh, Brett Moffat. Uh, he finished Mike Marler, uh, known for racing on dirt. A lot of these drivers that are really good on some of these types of tracks, it just wasn't their day on this Bristol dirt track. Uh, so Austin has a lot to feel really good about with that 10th place finish, uh, finishing ahead of those guys. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of thought it would be a little bit different, you know, as far as you know, the racing was going to be, I, I didn't expect the mud bowl that they had the first, you know, you know, to start off, you know, that having, you know, having to sit out, you know, you know, Sunday, you know, wait until Monday to race, but, you know, just, just the configuration of the track, you know, and the, you know, and just everything that went into it, you know, it kind of took the, it kind of took everything out of, out of freezing at Kyle Larson's hand, you know, I think had the track been more like an Eldora, I think we would have seen a you know mm-hmm. a lot different. You know, I think we would have probably seen a different winner. I don't think Martin Truex would have gone out and dominated. I think we would. Have, I think we would have seen a, and a lot more racing for the need because you know, of course, being a, a smaller track, not only that, but just the way the, you know, the dirt and the configuration is. You know, you know, it would have made mm-hmm. for a lot more a lot a lot more of a racier race. Not that this one wasn't, but there was sure a lot of torn up uh, a lot of torn up trucks. Mm. Well, let's go ahead and cover the points before we run out of time there, Sal. Okay. On the point side, we got... Hey, what happened to my... Oh, here we go. Okay, driver points, we have... um... I don't believe it did it again. Well, I know Don Hunter Nemechek uh, was able to keep his lead, but of course Ben Rhodes has those two wins, so he would jump over him in the uh, playoff points. Yeah, here we go. Okay. Okay, so we got John Hunter Nemechek leading the points, Ben Rhodes in second, Sheldon Creed third, Matt Crafton fourth, and Stuart Friesen round out the top five after the Penny's um, truck race on dirt. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm really happy with what we're seeing in the truck series this year with uh, some of these uh, uh, names that are in the top of this list for the points. Yeah, then Let's from there, then we go down to 
uh, Austin Hill sixth, Zane Smith in seventh, Grant Enfinger in eighth, Todd Gillen in ninth, and Austin Wayne Self, who we just spoke to as our guest, uh, rounds out the top ten in the uh, in the uh, points. And Johnny Sauter is actually eleventh, sitting out. Um, him and uh, Carson Hosev are tied, sitting two points behind Austin Wayne Self, who is on the bubble. Yeah, that's going to be tight. It's going to be interesting to see how that continues to play out. Austin seems to be carrying some momentum right now as they head into Richmond uh, Raceway for their next race. And uh, that race is going to be taking place uh, real quick here before we run out of time. Uh, The race at Richmond is on Saturday, April 17th. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time with radio coverage on MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. So the story continues uh, for the NASCAR Truck Series uh, this season as uh, they continue their season. And uh, I tell you, it's going to be exciting. So. Yeah, it is. And, and, hope, and let's see what happens with this little rivalry between uh, that fired up between John uh, Hunter Nemechek and uh, Matt Crafton over the weekend. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that kind of flared that, up over the weekend. Yeah, oh, it flared up really big. At first I thought it was, I thought Derek Krause was involved, but then afterwards and I seen actually it was between uh, John Hunter Nemechek and, um, and, and Matt Crafton. So I guess we'll see what happens as the season goes on, if anything materializes with that. Yes. Well, your guest is here. If you want to go ahead and introduce him and bring him in. I've got him into the queue, I think, already. So, uh, yeah, he's Uh, in the queue. So you can go ahead and get started. All right. And our next guest is Cole Rez. He races for uh, 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 TMI from out in in Tucson, uh, Arizona. He's also a part of the SPS team that Joe Fari and uh, um, Preston Peltier got started up. Um, this last year, uh, Cole was, uh, was one of the seven finalists for the um, Kawiki Development uh, Driver Program, which is a huge, uh, which is a huge in itself. You know, there was I don't know how many drivers mm-hmm. they started out with, but they finally they finally got whittled down to this. And actually, last year's uh, last year's um, Kawiki Driver was with Jeremy Doss. So Cole Raz is looking, you know, to follow you know in those footsteps and. You know, hopefully, you know he'll, you know he'll get what he needs, you know, to be able to uh, make it all the way, all the way to the end. But with that, we want to welcome Cole to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you all for having me. So you're you got a uh, a long uh, road ahead of you this season. Starting out, of course, you're running the full season with uh, with the uh, Spears SRL Southwest Tour with um, your teammate um, Brandon Farrington and. And then whoever else fills in in the in the 54 car, right? Oh, that's correct. And then we're also looking to have some uh, select races in the Northwest Tour, and uh, you know, looking at races like the Summer Showdown, and you know, anything else we can piece together throughout the season. So, tell us a little bit about the about the um, uh, Kawiki Developmental Program, and 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 how you got it. How you got involved with that, and 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 what's the next what's the next step? Yeah, so I I got involved with it. I mean, it the idea came from my brother, and he he tried applying for the program after 
he ran K and N, and obviously the the eligibility is different after you run in that level of NASCAR. So he he was ruled out of it, and then you know when it was my my turn and I was ready, like in the stock cars and uh, finally eligible to to run for it, I applied for it, and that was probably about three years three years ago now, and made it as a semifinalist my first year, and you know we didn't get in the final seven that year, but I was able to really observe and watch over the next year and a half of, you know, the, the drivers that were in it, like you said, Jeremy Doss. And, you know, I was able to watch a few races that he was at that Grayson was participating in and just really see their, their on-track engagement and what they really do for the community off-track. Like, you know, that's that's the big piece in this in this program is your engagement with the com- community and, and going to these charitable events and, and finding ways to just to help out in any, any way, shape, or form. So that's what I'm really looking forward to this year, and that's the next step. The season kicks off for that, for the point standings uh, here at the beginning of April. So when we go to Irwindale April 10th, that'll be the first race for us in the series. And, you know, I'm finally piecing together what I want to do for my charitable side for the program, and I'm really looking forward to announcing what I got going on for that. Wow, that's – I'll tell you, that, 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 that's uh, uh, a much-anticipated announcement right there. You know, I'm kind of curious who you're – which charity – um, uh, you're going to choose to work with, but going into the racing part of it, you know, this is a, I guess this is the the, the meat and potatoes part of it is, is is the way they work the points for the for the final overall um uh for the um, um, overall winner, right? Correct. So it's all based off of your your on track performance and your social media engagement and your consistency on that and, and your charitable side like I mentioned before is huge on it so I'm not sure how they they have their points and what what plays in more but you know those are the three big things that'll factor a role into it so so let's let's, let's talk a little bit about Paul Raz and, and what's going on with the, with the super late models of course you know you know you've ran you know from you know from California all the way to Vegas you know to uh you know to your home track at you know which I think you call Tucson your home track right yeah, I guess you can call it that. I mean, you know, being from Oregon, it's kind of odd saying Tucson's my home track, but I mean, I've, I've ran there so much. So, um, you know, once we got connected with Brad Cornelius and down there, it was, you know, we spent three years running points races down there and fighting for championships, and we found good success there. And then, uh, you know, we were still in heavy contact with Dustin Ash when he started working at SPS, and uh, the, the next deal came with uh, Brandon doing a few races with them. Uh, last season, and then they they were putting together the pieces for a full season, and then you know in my position it was like you know what what am I going to do this year? What's going to be my 2021 schedule? And uh, you know about a month later, Brad called us with a, a huge opportunity to go to a racing with them, and you know carry on being teammates with Brandon. And uh, but yeah, I guess you can say Tucson's my home track. I'm not going to be running there. Um, I don't imagine anytime soon, unfortunately, but. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see where the next uh, seed plans for my next home track. You know, and, and um, speaking of Brad and Joanne, they've they've been a huge part of 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 your coming up, and you know, on you know, and also you know, had had something to do you know with with Grayson. But we're talking about Cole here. How's the relationship with, between you and Brad, and how did it start? Started. I mean, it, it does come back to my brother. I mean, I feel like every opportunity that's been in my racing career falls back on him and, and the path that he's he's paid for me. And uh, when he was running K&N with Jefferson Pitts Racing, 
uh, teammates with Noah Gregson, and Noah grew up racing for Dustin Ash, and that led to our first connection. So I, I did some legend racing with Dustin, and uh, down in Vegas, uh, we went to Meridian once, and Irwindale, we went on the, the smaller track on the inside there, and he started working for Brad, uh, crew chief, and Brandon in the, uh, in the Super Late Mall Series, and uh, they were looking for a young up-and-coming driver to put in their uh, super truck series. And, uh, you know, Dustin built a few trucks for them. And going into the 2018 season, we did the full series in that. And then the next step was obviously the super late model. So the relationship I've had with them has been, been huge. I mean, they're like family to me and, and vice versa. So their support does not go unnoticed. And, you know, I, I don't think I'd, I'd be here without the support they've given me over the last three years. You know, and, and actually speaking about the team, you know, you speak about Dustin Ash, you know, and the and the history that Dustin Ash has, you know, going all the way back, you know, to when he was driving, you know, into building cars, you know, of course, you know, one of his, you know, protégés, you know, is, is is Noah Gregson, who's who's uh who's racing now, you know, in Xfinity, but um, you know, you look at at the, you know, at, at Dustin's um at his resume, and I mean, you put that together with what Joe Faris put together with with the help from Brad and then also, you know, the help from President Peltier and his and his um you know, his knowledge and then, you know, of course, you know, your teammate Brandon Farrington, you know, it makes for a really good mix. Yeah, hundred percent. I uh I wanna say I said it in one of my interviews before the All Star race. It's like the way I put it, it's like this is like a super team. Like you look at the NBA, you got your Brooklyn Nets, your your LA Lakers and like and and the SRL tour it's SPS. You know, you look at all the guys in the race shop and everybody on the team, there's so much knowledge in there to, to soak up and like all those minds working together. It's, it's scary what that, that result can come out to on the success. And then, uh, you know, another big guy in there, my crew chief, uh, Jim Parker senior, you know, he's been around for a long time, worked with a lot of drivers, you know, the Bush family he's been involved with when they started racing over in Vegas. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot to learn and all the knowledge that's in the shop, but it just makes up for, you know, greater season and a greater result we're looking for. Hmm, interesting. Now, with that call, I know the show host, Sharon, I know she has to Sharon. Welcome uh, to the show, call. Yeah, it, I think he was passing the baton over to me, Cole. So, first of all, welcome to the show. I'm so so glad that you're able to come on. And uh, so excited to hear about your uh, being in the driver development, uh, the Alan Forty driver development program. Uh, I remember when Ty Majewski won that award, and uh, we had him on the show. Uh, what does it mean to you to uh, – or let me ask you this first. Have you had a chance to talk to some of the other drivers? I know you mentioned Jeremy Doss last year. Have you had a chance to talk to any of the other drivers uh, that have won that championship to kind of pick their brain a little bit? Uh, Not so much past champions. I feel like it's more drivers that were in that final seven uh, in years past. You know, I look at Brittany Zamora uh, at the time, like we were were all close, and I was able to pick her brain about it when I was first getting into the series or into the program, excuse me. And, uh, you know, there's there's a handful of other guys, uh, you know, a driver up from Canada, and even the current Final Seven, there, you know, there's a handful like Luke Fenhus has been in the program before, and there's guys I can really rely on it and get their their uh, you know their their experience in it before, and you know just to see how I can 
make the best out of this huge opportunity and, you know, we'll see where we can take it from. Yeah. Now, last year they didn't do it because of the COVID-19. So there's going to be a little bit of break in the um, in the action there, if you will. But uh, when you think about this season, what's your strategy or what are you anticipating for yourself as you think about this season? You know, I, I feel like strategy-wise, you know, it doesn't change a whole lot for the on-track side of it. I think it's just attacking as much as I can going into each race weekend and looking for, you know, the best results we can get and putting every race together. Um, you know, the the new side for it will be the off-track. Um, that's going to be stepping up a lot from my past few years, and I think that's going to be a really good growth growth period for me this season is uh, gaining that knowledge of, of helping out my community and, uh, I think if we execute that right, I think, you know, there's no reason why we couldn't be uh, one of those top drivers at the end of the season in the final seven. So um, regardless of the outcome at the end of the year, I think just making it to this point in the final seven is an honor in itself. And like you said, the names in the past, you know, Jeremy Doss, Ty Majeski, it's just a huge honor to be in that mix of names now. Absolutely, absolutely. And and part of the Alan Kowicki, I love that they have an Alan Kowicki driver development program. He was such a kind of interesting driver in the sport. And to carry on his legacy through this driver development program, I think is fantastic. Uh, So I'm going to pass the baton back to uh, uh, Sal. But before I do that, just congratulations on what you've accomplished here. And I wish you the best in the SRL season as well thank you so much hey Cole so um so uh back to the team how 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 different is it to have to have a team like you know like SPS behind you not only that of course you know we always mention Brad you know because Brad was a big you know a big help you know and you know in, in getting you you know all this you know all the tools that you need and basically you know Joe and Preston the rest of the SPS crew you know your crew chief and everybody else you know are the ones you know that are getting you know all the results on the track yeah, I feel like the big difference is just numbers. I think, uh, you know, you look at the people I've been involved with, involved with in the past few years, like when I was running Legend with Dustin, it was, it was himself and, and Chris Poyum in the shop, and it was just two guys. And now, you know, we got six, seven guys that are in the shop every day. And, uh, you know, when me, Brandon and I go down there to Vegas, you know, makes it eight or nine. So I'd say the strength of numbers is a big piece, and, um, you know, there's just – it's incredible the setup they have down there and they got the resources they need to be successful for sure. So how much time do you, do you spend at the, at the shop? You know, I mean, I know the season is, you know, it's just, it's just getting started, but how much time do you spend down at the shop, you know, maybe, you know, working on the car, helping them out or just trying to get, you know, just trying to glean, you know, some knowledge, you know, from Dustin and, you know, of course, Joe, you know, Joe's an old school racer himself. Yeah, so, you know, right now, like, I'm I'm still finishing up high school, senior year, so my time right now is a little more limited than it will be once I graduate. Uh, you know, like the All-Star weekend, I was there about a week prior, and, uh, you know, now, you know, going into Kern, I flew in the week of the race and stayed there until Monday or Tuesday until I come, came back home, and that way I can just be around the guys, help finish preparing the car, and afterwards just doing all the maintenance to get it cleaned up and, you know, just trying to play as much uh, hands-on as I can possible, and that, that's one attribute that I'm trying to push more on this year, just looking at Alan Kowicki and, and uh, his high work ethic, you know, being a, a car owner, driver, and, 
you know, basically his own mechanic. You know, he, he was always hands-on, and that's a big thing you can take away, and that's what I'm going to try and apply on this year. And then let's, let's, now let's talk a little bit about your brother. How much has Grayson played a part in? I, I, I know, you know, coming up, you know, in years past, but, you know, I've seen him at the track, you know, he's been to track, you know, in the, you know, these past few races, but how, how much do you glean off of, off of your brother, you know, with all the experience he had, you know, going through K&N, you know, and all the racing that he did? I rely on him a ton. I, uh, you know, him and I, our relationship is very unique. You know, I feel like we're, we're, we're best friends. I mean, like we've grown up really close and I think our communication is always on par with one another. And, um, you know, like, as you mentioned, you've seen him at the racetrack a few times and when he is there, he's on the radio giving me, you know, different things to try when I'm on track that, you know, other spotters or crew chiefs can't necessarily see. And when he relays that information, it, it hits home with me just because of our communication is so you know, alike with one another. And, um, you know, he spotted for me in the years past. I spotted for him up here in the Northwest. And um, I feel like as we continue to work more and more together, I think that's just going to create myself uh, better opportunities and more successful. And he's been a a huge role in my career, Uh, not even just off track, but, you know, the results on track really comes back to him and, uh, you know, the way he's been so involved for me. You know, then, of course, you always have to think about mom and dad, too. Um, Gosh, I, man, I, I've I've known your dad well since I first you know started doing stuff for Jefferson Pitts with Grayson and 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 I know that there's huge supporters of you you know and, and and your dad attends a lot of the races this you know I you know I've seen him and talked to him and you know all for different uh, races and stuff like that and gosh you know just that um you know just that family bond is I know it's huge. A hundred percent. I don't think. Uh... My parents uh, definitely did not see this coming as far as it did when we first started out in quarter midgets, but uh, I really continue to say this, that racing has brought us closer together as a family. And, you know, my dad uh, has been my crew chief for two years now when we ran in Tucson. Now he's just, you know, being as hands-on as possible with Jimmy Parker Sr. being my crew chief now. But, um, you know, he's he's always on board as well as my mom. And, you know, we're excited to have her coming down to Irwindale. She hasn't been to a race in a little while since, since all COVID took off. And, you know, I'm really excited to have the whole family back together at a racetrack and, you know, it'll feel just right at home. Well, Grayson, I, I just want to say congratulations again on the, on the Kowalki uh, development program. I want to say good luck um, coming up, uh, you know, for the rest of the season. I want to have turn it back over to Sharon so she can close out the interview. Uh, again, Paul, we're so happy you were able to be on the show tonight. I remember your brother, uh, Grayson, uh, as well. And uh, to hear about the close relationship that you guys have uh, is very heartwarming to me for some reason. Uh, so uh, thank you for sharing that. And uh, we hope this isn't the last time we get a chance to talk with you. We hope to have you back again somewhere uh, throughout this season. I, again, really appreciate it, guys. and. I'd love to come back anytime. Okay. Well, you count on it. I'm sure Sal has, knows how to stay in touch with you. So <laughs> thanks again for being here. All right. That is uh, Cole Raz with TMI Racing and uh, a very well-spoken young man and uh 
really good to see him get into the uh, Alan Kulicki Driver Development Program. So I'm, I'm very excited for him on that. Yeah, so am I. You know, it's it, it's well deserved. You know, you know for the you know for what you know the work that he's he's put in, his brothers put in, his family's put in. You know, just all the work you know that they put in, you know, as a family, you know, you know into his racing, you know, and and his friends too. You know, um, you know Brad and Joanne, you know, are, are a huge part of you know of of um, you know for Cole and and actually you know Grayson are, but. Um, you know, then of course you got to think of his, you know, the SPS team. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it, 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 it's it's just amazing. Um, it's just amazing and and very well, um, very well uh, um, deserved. Yes, indeed. Well, we've got to move on now to the uh, Cup Series race on uh, the Bristol Dirt, the Food City Dirt race. In the Cup Series uh, was Joy Logano in the number 22 as the winner. It was his first win this year, uh, his third win at Bristol, but his first on dirt and his 27th career win. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. finished second, followed by Hamlin, Suarez, Newman, Byron, Reddick, Blaney, and Eric Jones, as well as Chase Elliott rounding out the top Ten. So the race ended uh, after a one attempt at overtime. The caution came out with four laps remaining when the number 66 of uh, Marler lost the tire and hit the front stretch wall. Logano led at the caution and was not challenged on the restart. The pole sitter uh, Kyle Larson had to start at the rear for an engine change and was caught up in an accident early in the race and struggled to a 29th place finish and five laps down. Stage one was won by Ryan Truex. I'm not Ryan, Martin Truex. Uh, Stage two was won by Logano, as was, of course, stage three. There were five lead changes among five drivers and 10 cautions for 39 yellow flag laps. It was quite a race. Yes, it was. And, you know, Sharon, speaking of Joey Logano, Anytime a cup driver comes in and fills in for either the truck series or the Xfinity series, I'm going to pick him to win the race because Mike Joy made a, <laughs> made a comment about that, and so did Jeff. He goes, every time we have a driver come in, because remember they had Ryan Blaney two weeks ago come in and, and fill in for the uh, Xfinity race, and he goes out and wins a cup race the next day. Gotcha. So I'm, 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 I'm going to go with those picks, but – Martin Truex, once again, <laughs> I thought he was going to wax the field, and boy, Logano had something else to say at the end of, of that of that race. But um, boy, Stenhouse, I mean, it was <laughs> he should have never made it through the first stage because he he got I don't know how he got through that wreck, but he got through the first wreck. <laughs> he but, just um, squeezed by. Oh, he just barely squeezed by then. But I mean, Logano, he just boy, this this was a good race. I mean, you know, it was a good race. And what about Daniel Suarez uh, and the race that he he had, finishing fourth? I know. I was so excited. I was so excited for him. Yeah, it, it was a fantastic race to watch, Sal. I, I really enjoyed it as well. Uh, and uh, uh, let's go ahead and cover the points report. 
Sal, are you still with me? Yeah, I'm still here, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, okay. To I thought I right lost now. you. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm over here. I'm over here with playing on a on an iPad. <laughs> okay. okay. What? The... Oh, that's crazy! It took me to Daytona. Well, we go. I'll go ahead and cover the. Okay, you got it. Yeah. Oh, here they are, right here. You have to push. You have to push the right race because <laughs> it had. Yeah. It had um. It had um. <laughs> Matt, not Matt, but um, Michael McDowell leading the points. I was saying he's not leading the points anymore. But um, okay, so we got Denny Hamlin leading the points. We got Joey Logano in second, Martin Truex in third, Kyle Larson hold on to the fourth, and Brad Keselowski rounds out the top five. After, yeah, fantastic uh, race that names was, in there. Yeah. Oh man, I'm telling you, it was just a crazy, crazy, crazy race. And then, and then from there, then we're going to go down to sixth in points is William Byron. Uh, seventh is Ryan Blaney. Boy, eighth place finish with the car that was half that he didn't even have half of a car for Ryan Blaney. <laughs> that was a, what heck of a finish. I couldn't believe it. He finished eighth, with, and he was missing the back half of the car. And then um, eighth <laughs> is Kevin Harvick. Ninth is Chase Elliott. Tenth is Christopher Bell rounding out the top ten. And then from there, then we go to this because we take 16 in. We go to 11th, Austin Dillon, 12th, Michael McDowell, 13th, Kyle Busch, 14th, Ricky Stenhouse, 15th, Kurt Busch, and 16th is Alex Bowman. I think Alex moved up because he wasn't – I know he wasn't up at 16th after the points last run. week. Yeah, he did. Him yeah, and Ryan, he... Newman, Ryan, Ryan Newman at 19th also had a top five finish. Yes. 19th points. Yes, he had a good run. Uh, uh, both of those guys did. I'll tell you what, uh, again, this is going to be so much fun to watch. Uh, you've got uh, just one point between Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman in 15th and 16th, and then four points uh, in 17th place is Chris Busher, uh, followed by uh, Ryan Priest, Ryan Newman, and Daniel Suarez to round out the top 20 there. Uh, but, of course, the drivers, all the drivers that have wins with Michael McDowell, Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, uh, Kyle Larson, Martin Truex Jr., and now Joey Logano, seven races, seven winners. How long is this going to go, Sal? You know what? It's, it, can, it can keep going because uh, Danny Hamlin still hasn't gotten a win. Kislowski hasn't gotten a win. Harvick. Chase Elliott, who's who was close to a couple wins, hasn't gotten his win either. And then um And you he's know, the defending and champion. Then, and then you yeah, then you gotta go all the way down to Kyle Bush who's still winless, who's who man, he 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 was a couple laps down for a while there and came back, got his lap back, you know, finished on the lead lap, but he had that overheating problem and um and then I and then gotten a, a little fender bender and and uh I'll tell you, it was it was one heck of a it was one heck of a run by um by by the by the twentieth uh, guy at the twentieth was Daniel Suarez. It looked like for a while there, you know, he was going to win the I race. I thought he and, was um, going to win it. <laughs> he was. He looked really good when he went by Truex. I was like, wow. And um, yeah, he looked like he had our, a really strong car for the dirt. Yeah, he did. And then I, I don't I don't know what happened to Danny Hamlin on that last restart, man. He went all I thought 
I thought he was yeah. looking for an exit to leave the track because he shot straight up to the wall, and I'm thinking, let me see, they're making left. They're not making right. So why, why didn't they make a right? And then um, somebody else followed him up there, too. I can't remember well, what other driver followed. I think Larson did. One of the big things about racing on dirt is you've got to turn uh, – let me see if I can get this right. In order to go right, you've got to turn left. Uh, on these tracks, and that's why you get that fishtail with the with the car sliding out uh, in the back. But uh, I, I tell you what, he was riding high, and I was not figuring out why Denny Hamlin was riding so high. Uh, I didn't think that that necessarily was helping him, and uh, I, I wish he would have driven a little bit further down on the track, uh, and I was wondering, I should have gone back to listen to his interview, his post-race interview, to see if anybody asked that question. I know he was getting a little bit more grip up on top, but it really didn't help him uh, as far as passing the drivers. So, yeah, that that was a head-scratcher. Yeah, he, well, he was looking for some water because even um, Chris Bell said, you know, if you could just get a little bit of water on the tire, you know what, you know, you mm-hmm. get more grip, you know, and you would, you would, um, you know, you would end up, you know, you know, picking up some speed. But, um, yeah, yeah but the he, problem he, is at that stage in the race is that uh, your that rear tire is so worn down, it's almost like a slick. You don't have any uh, tread left on the tire by that stage of the race. That and then, and then also, you know, you know, with the single file restarts, you know, when, you know, when NASCAR changed it over and said, you know, we're going to do single file restarts, you know, instead of the doubles because of the dirt, you know, that, that mm-hmm. changed the whole dynamic of the race too. I, yes, I wasn't too happy with that move. You know, I, I know why they did it, you know, for safety reasons, but I, I mm-hmm. for myself, I was, I was not too happy with, uh, with that. Yeah. A lot of people commented on that. I noticed a lot of people, and I was kind of wondering, too, so I was glad that they gave us an explanation. And, yeah, it does make sense that they did it for safety. And uh, I hear you, Sal. It was a, I was questioning it, too, why change the rule in the middle of the race. But, again, I understand why they did it. So, <clears throat> so how are you feeling, Sal? Let me ask you that. I know you're still on the road to recovery. Yeah, I'm doing good. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's just going to be a, you know, I mean, it's not going to be a long, a long process. You know, it's just, you know, something, you know, that I just have to take my time at. I think you only gave me like five weeks off work. So I, Uh, you know, I got to do it within the five weeks, but, um, you know, it it can be done. Obviously it can be done because others, others have done it. But I, I asked them about it because last time, well, the, the last surgery I had was a lot more extensive, and I was off for six months. Right. But um, well, he said with this one. Pro- okay, go ahead. He, but he said with this one, he said it, it's. Uh, he goes, the recovery is pretty quick. Okay, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, just on a programming note side, we have no show uh, next Monday night, April the 5th, because there's no racing. <laughs> that's going on this weekend with the with it being the Easter holiday. Also, there's no show this Thursday night because we don't have a race to preview this Thursday night. So uh, the next two shows are off the books. 
Our, the next time we'll be back on air will be Thursday, April the 8th. And our guest for that night is Regina Cervantes. Uh, with Rev Racing. So I'm looking forward to that conversation with her and uh, getting to know her. And uh, But just, uh, again, a programming note for everybody that we will not be on the air this Thursday, April the 1st, or next Monday, April the 5th. Uh, but we will be back on air by Thursday, April the 8th. Cool. Well, a little vacation yeah, we time. Get, Never hurt anybody. Get a little break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, thanks so much, Sal, for being here. I know you had to kind of rearrange a few things in order to be here tonight. We do appreciate it. And especially with the break coming up, uh, it's good that you were able to be here. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So, anyways, you guys have a good show. Everybody have a safe uh, a safe Easter weekend. Um, hopefully, one day we'll, we'll we'll get back to normalcy over here in LA County. Yes. Um, so, but either way, everybody have a, everybody have a good, uh, nice, safe uh, Easter weekend. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. And with that, I'm gonna say good night. Oh. Okay, Sal. Thanks so much again for being here, and we'll look forward to talking to you when we're back on air on Monday night, which is going to be April the 12th. So take care. All right, uh, it is the top of the hour, and that means it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, I believe all of our uh, uh, fan for racing crew is here. We'll start out with our co-hosts for Hot Topics and uh, the fan at the track for the Bristol Dirt Race, none other than Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, well, Andy. <laughs> Well, there's only one and the only, that's for sure. Um, first off, just happy to be back. I know I've missed a couple, three weeks of shows, so it's definitely uh, it's good to be back for sure. And, uh, yeah, if there's ever a week to do it, it's probably after this last weekend. So, uh, yeah, thankful to be back on tonight. Okay, well, we're very happy to have you back on. Also joining us is our Thursday night co-host uh, guy, and that is Jay Hisman. Welcome to the show. Okay. All right. Thank you, Sharon. And uh, Andy, good to hear from you. And I know you two will at least know this. I knew I didn't know who else was on tonight, but remember the movie Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield? And is it Nemesis, Nemesis Instructor said, we, I have one question to ask you in 27 parts. Well, I think we got one hot topic tonight <laughs> in 27 parts. Uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. You were wondering who's joining us tonight for Hot Topics. It's none other than our newest member of our Fan for Racing crew, and that's Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tom. Tommy? Hey, how are y'all? Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me back. Glad to be back. Well, we're, we're glad that you were able to be on again tonight and uh, that we've got a full crew here. So with that, Andy, you were at the track. Well, wait a second. Before we do that, Jay, give us an update on our Fan for Racing Fantasy group before we get into the dirt race. All right. Well, uh, we'll go with the overall. Sharon, you lead that at 82 points, but that's going to be short, short celebrated. Mike is at 76. Sam and I are at 75. Owen is at 73. Andy at 66, uh, James at 52, Tommy at 35, 
Let's see what we got wow. here. We'll go to the trucks. Yeah, all of them are pretty, at least in the top half, are pretty close. Uh, well, the trucks there again is Sharon. You're at 27. This is probably the biggest gap. Uh, Sam is at 18. Mike is at 16. Tom and I are at 15. I'm sorry, I missed Andy at 21. He's he's second at 21. Then is Sam at 18. Mike at 16. And myself and Tommy at 15. Uh, James having a tough time there with only five points. On the Xfinity, that one goes to Andy and Owen at 28, but James is right there at 24, Mike at 22. Then we drop back to Sharon at 17, me at 14. Tommy's going to, the one there at the bottom, unfortunately, at 7. And on the Cup side, this one tightened up a little more again. I think I lead this one 46. Sam is at 39. Mike and Sharon are at 38. Owen's at 33, James at 23, uh, Chase Briscoe, I mean Andy is at 17, and Tommy at 13. <laughs> well, in all fairness, we should mention that Tommy uh, started a little bit later than everybody else. So, uh, But there's still a chance for you to catch up, Tommy, especially when we go to he's double a- points for the playoffs. Yeah, he's, he's right. right in there in one of them. He's right in there That's in one of them. Yep. Yeah, the trucks. Yep. I will. I will say this too. But we, we like to brag on this. We got eight players this year, and we have had races. I think where we had eight in the top, all eight picks in the top ten to eleven, on the Cup race, on Bristol, we all picked the favorites who we thought. I got the most points with Kyle Busch, who finished seventeenth. <laughs> <laughs> And I was hoping that uh, my driver was going to stay in front of Kyle Busch. Uh, but I don't know what happened at the end with him. He he was up in the top five and ended up sliding back to, uh, you know, behind Kyle Busch. So. That's that's so dirt he, track he, racing. You got Larry <laughs> McReynolds, coming, comers and goers is real big on a dirt track. <laughs> I guess so. Okay, so uh, that takes us back to you, Andy, uh, to lead us off with our hot topics tonight. Well, I don't even know where to start, <laughs> but I guess we could probably just start out with um, just overall thoughts on, on the dirt weekend. Obviously, um, it was inaugural uh, at Bristol uh, for the Trucks and the Cup Series. Of course, the Trucks Series have run some dirt races in recent years, but it's the first Cup race on dirt in 51 years, so... Um, I guess we can probably start out with that. You know, certainly that would be the big topic of the weekend for sure. Okay, so we'll start out with the broad terms and narrow it down as we go, I guess. Uh, so, Jay, let's start with you. Well, the, the roller coaster continues. I said this was a roller coaster in the build-up to it, excited for it, concerned <laughs> about it. We did not see an all-out demolition derby. Uh, yeah, there were a couple of wrecks. Those happened at Bristol anyway and in the other track. So, I mean, I thought it was good. Uh, there is room for improvement. I know that we'll get to that in a separate topic. It's coming back, so obviously they, they felt it was a success because they are bringing it de- back definitely for next year and beyond, I believe, is the word Steve O'Donnell used. So uh, for an yeah. inaugural event, uh, an unknown like that, it was good. Uh, you know, like I said, I, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, could be better, 
but that's you got to start somewhere, and it didn't start at the bottom. <laughs> okay, Tommy, your thoughts? I don't think it disappointed. Um, that's for sure. It was very entertaining, and that was one of the. I got home from work at a little after five, and it was awesome. I watched it all the way after work, and it was great. I don't think that – I think that they should definitely come back to Bristol for sure. But um, I was also kind of hoping that they would have brought Bristol back in the spring as pavement and then maybe gone to an actual dirt track on the schedule. But I don't think that Bristol disappointed, so maybe they should do it there each year and figure out a, a – perfect, you know, perfect the Bristol dirt, and then maybe think about adding another dirt to the schedule because I know they're already thinking about um, making the Bristol dirt race an annual event here moving forward. But it was awesome. Uh, I'm actually glad that they didn't wreck as many cars as I thought they did. But my favorite part about the whole weekend was the fact that people like Noonan and Bubba Wallace and Stenhouse were all running in the top five and ten and could have had a chance to win if there was a caution probably. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Uh, you know, I, I really thought it was a lot better than I expected. Uh, I thought we'd see a lot more cars uh, uh, having issues with the dirt uh, than what there was. We talked to Austin Wayne self during our second half hour tonight, and he was talking about it being a great equalizer, if you will, uh, because you had drivers uh, that normally don't know very much about dirt, number one, uh, still being able to race on that track. And then the drivers who normally are good on dirt uh, were running into some issues and didn't have such a good day. And so... uh, uh, I think a common refrain we heard from drivers like Daniel Suarez and Kevin Harvick and uh, some of these other guys that were racing is they had no idea what they were doing, but they were having fun doing it. And, uh, uh, you know, to, to see drivers like Austin Wayne South be able to come home with a top 10 finish, uh, to see drivers like Daniel Suarez leading the race, for as long as he did and making some of the passes that he made uh, on the track and then yet tell us he had no clue about what he was doing. I I think it it made it that much more exciting to kind of watch. Uh, So, yeah, it was a highly entertaining race. It was a little bit of an equalizer. Uh, I know that that won't always continue uh, because, as Jay mentioned, uh, Steve McDowell, Steve uh, O'Donnell said that he was uh, looking at not just next year but beyond uh, for continuing the Bristol Dirt Race. Uh, So they felt it was a great success. Uh, They know that there's improvements to be made, but uh, they're looking to make this happen on a regular basis. And uh, I think with the success that they had this weekend, why not? Uh, I thought it was uh, uh, really great to watch. But, Andy, I really want to know what you thought because you were at the track in the midst of all that dust. <laughs> and it was awesome. Um, yeah, overall, I thought the uh, the racing was, was really, really good. You know, I mean, obviously the, the characteristic of dirt racing is the cars hung out to the right all through the corners, but it just meant that 
drivers had to manage their tires, manage, you know, the 750 horsepower and just manage the car. And and that's to me produces the best kind of racing. So if you didn't like it yesterday, I really don't know what to tell you because it was, (laughs) it was pretty good. Um, You know, I thought that there was plenty of opportunities for passing people that came and went throughout the course of both races. And to me, Sharon, you'll appreciate this. There were two drivers that impressed me most yesterday and their names weren't Larson or Bell. It was Truex and Solrez. Um, I don't know where, I don't know where Truex, um, did as well as he did, but I mean, did a really good job in, in the truck race and won that and, you know, thought he was going to win that cup race too. So, um, you know, just really, really, you know, really entertaining. I thought the product was pretty good. Like, like has already been mentioned. Um, you know, I'm sure there's always room for improvement, but I think when you consider that this was the first time on this track, um, for the cup cars and, and even for the truck series at Bristol on dirt, you know, I'm sure that they learned a lot that they can apply to next year. So, um, yeah, I thought it was great. I think fans were really excited. I'm sure. I mean, people at home, people there, it doesn't, doesn't matter where you were. I think everyone was pretty excited about it. I know that there are some people that maybe are a little hesitant, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Mike Orzel, um, but <laughs> um, too bad he's, <laughs> Too bad he's not on here tonight to to talk about that. But, um, you know, overall it was good. I think to Tommy's point, I would agree that, you know, part of me had a little bit of a bittersweet feeling sitting there just because I love the the normal Bristol surface. And I'm glad, obviously, that the fall weekend is going to still be the traditional Bristol track. And so, you know, part of me sat there thinking – you know, I, I love the old Bristol the way it was, and you know, but but at the same time, the dirt the dirt um, product is really really good. So um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, happy that Bristol's on the schedule twice. We get to see dirt, and we get to see the normal Bristol that everyone's come to love over the years. So, um, but yeah, I left I left there thinking that it was it was cool to try it out. Honestly, wasn't even really supposed to do it, and then. Uh, when Briscoe announced he was going to run the truck race, I decided I had to at least go do that. And uh cup was long <laughs> since sold out at that point. And then due to the wonderful weather we had this weekend, uh, wound up getting to do both. So it was kind of a, a pleasant ending to what was a kind of a long weekend, but it was worth it. So um, I would encourage anyone to do it. Jay, you were obviously there, I think a week or so ago. So you know what it was like too. And um, it was, it was a good show. Okay, Jay, your follow-up comments. That was a good lead-in for you. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. And like I said, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of fans understand, and I know I put that as a separate topic uh, of, of the fans' reaction to certain things. It, it's only going to get better. The, the, the way they do the track, handle the track, the drivers. We talk about, uh, you mentioned a, a couple, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell. Uh, on road courses, we call them ringers. If you want to call them dirt track ringers or another name for it, they're going to be there next night. You know, they didn't have the best of weekend. That happened. Um, but so as some of these guys develop on dirt and they go toe-to-toe with these that are on dirt, we're going to have that great mix, as we've seen in road course racing now. Uh, you know, there really aren't road course ringers anymore. There's several that are very good on them. So if this is a long-term thing, I think it's great, plus the cars, how they set up the cars, talking about the car next generation car that's coming next year is going to be a little bit different, might handle it. Goodyear's going to come and they're going to work together with tires and how to do that, the stage lengths and and the laps they run. 
it's it's only going to mm-hmm. get better. So, and again, we feel it was pretty good already. You know, like I said, there's there's definitely a couple little things. Um, the one thing, well, we'll get into that if we talk about what areas can be improved on. I'll I'll leave that for a little bit later. Okay, Tony, your follow-up thoughts. Yeah, um, I actually, I saw on the Dale Jr. download, well, I didn't listen to it. It was just a clip I saw on Twitter. He's already said that in the next four to five years that both Bristol races will probably be dirt. So, Wow. I mean, I'm fine with that, and I mean, I'm going to watch whatever NASCAR does regardless, but I kind of hope that they keep at least one asphalt uh, race there at Bristol. I mean, uh, I would like for them to do that, but then again, as I said, I'll support whatever they do. It's um, I'm a fan. I'm sold. So, But the Bristol race <laughs> was definitely entertaining. I was kind of just hoping that, and and Junior said this too, and I agree with it. He said that keep the dirt race at Bristol if you're going to keep doing it, and then when you perfect it, then move it to another track, and then maybe switch Bristol back to the way it was, or do or just move another dirt race and keep a dirt race at Bristol too. But I was thinking that they probably, I don't know much about dirt racing, but I, I imagine they don't want to do a dirt race at a dirt track because the venue is probably not big enough to support. But then again, maybe I could be wrong and they could add to it. But that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think you're right, Tommy. I think that is why they're they're trying out something new here. I one of the other things that Austin kind of brought out in the interview that we had with him is that he did some he's done dirt racing before in the Arca series at DeCoin and on at Springfield. He's raced some modifieds on dirt. Uh, but he said he doesn't know how much that really helped because of the weight of the cars. And because of the flatness of the track, uh, so this is kind of a whole new ball game. It does help some of those guys who have raced on dirt before because they know how the dirt reacts to certain things and things like you was brought up earlier that Christopher Bell uh, mentioned that Denny Hamlin was racing up on the top side of the track to get moisture on his tires because that moisture is what gave the car uh, a little bit more grip. Uh, so the dirt race drivers are going to know those kind of things, and uh, but the the cup drivers are all going to learn those kind of things, and the truck series drivers are all going to learn those kind of things. I think it's going to be interesting to see if they decide to bring the Xfinity series uh, to the dirt track. Uh, Steve O'Donnell said that uh, that was yet to be determined on whether or not they would do that next year. But uh, it's interesting when you think about having two dirt races at the Bristol track. It gives them that much more time to learn how to race with a banked dirt track, uh, which is unique (laughs) only to NASCAR, and especially with the heaviness of those stock cars uh, that they're racing on those tracks. Um, And, and, uh, One of the things he said is, you know, Austin said is that, uh, you know, nobody, he felt really good that he was able to pass drivers and and race side by side with drivers like Kevin Harvick on the track. That's thrilling for these drivers to have those Cup Series drivers come into that race and to race with them. So I thought that was another thing uh, that really added 
uh, to the Bristol race is the fact that so many of the Cup Series drivers took part in that uh, Truck Series race, uh, which we don't see very often. You don't see Kevin Harvick doing that very often. Uh, so that was a thrill for him to be able to finish ahead of uh, Stuart Friesen, who he said he leaned on a little bit uh, to get advice on how to race on dirt uh, and to be able to finish ahead there. So, and, and I use him as just an example because we had him on the show tonight and was able to talk to him. But that was true for a myriad of different drivers uh, within the truck series to have that experience. So uh, I just think it was uh, a lot of positives that came out of it. So, Andy, you get the final word here. Yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of positives for sure. Um, You know, good product. I I think it generated a much-needed buzz around the sport. You know, there were certain media and uh, news outlets that were publishing stories about it that you don't normally see. So uh, I think it helps uh, put eyes on the sport and um, I think it's going to get people excited for this next year. Um, just like what's already been said, you know, really hope that we keep at least one concrete race at Bristol. But, you know, um, whatever NASCAR does, I'll I'll be on board with it. You know, there's no, no sense in complaining like so many people do. So um, Bristol's a great track. I think whether it's concrete, asphalt, or dirt, it still puts on a good show. And, um, you know, I, you got to give uh, NASCAR a lot of credit, I think, for – for trying something, um, you know, to put on a good show. And certainly a lot of work went into this, uh, probably a lot more work than we all realize. And so, you know, for that, you've got to give them a lot of credit. And it was, I think, worth the experiment despite having to wait a day. And I apologize. I have one more thing I do want to say. And I don't know if you've seen this, Sandy, but on television they showed like a sunsetting scene where – you saw the dirt rising up from the Coliseum. I mean, it was almost epic uh, the way that view looked uh, with the sun setting and that dirt rising up from the Coliseum. Uh, I can only imagine what it was like uh, being there. Yeah, I had sand in my teeth. Um, <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't too bad. Um, you know, I tried it without goggles, and I did have to throw my. I wear contact lenses, so I had to throw my sunglasses on a couple different times. It was really only bad, like the last probably stage of the race. But um, overall, it really, it really wasn't too bad. It was. I think um, probably looked worse on TV. You know, certainly visibility was hard if you're, you know, a spotter or a driver. But from the stands, it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. Okay. Okay, we'll let that be the last word. Jay, uh, you get to choose the next topic, so break it down for us. Well, uh, one of the things, again, obviously, is generally about about the fans, and a lot of them interjected via Twitter or other social media, uh, areas of improvement, because, you know, there were some complaints. uh, If you listen to Radioactive on Race Hub, uh, obviously there were some. Uh, as well as Denny Hamlin with with where he finished there at the end. So some of the things that they can improve on uh, with this going into second year and beyond, hopefully. Okay, Tommy, you get to start us off. Uh, So the first thing that comes to my mind was with the truck race. Uh, I've got a couple, I guess, but the, the truck race, 
since it was rained out and postponed the first time, Jessica Friesen and Ryan Newman couldn't attend the race. And that kind of bummed me out a little bit because I wanted to see uh, both of them in the race. Because I, I watched a little bit of the practice last week, and um, Jessica Friesen wasn't doing that bad. It looked like she, like she would, would have been probably battling in the top 10, 15, 20, maybe even could have done any better i mean you know but she looked competitive and then she didn't get a race so that was that was one area that maybe maybe next year they can qualify she could get in or something but uh the next thing was i remember hearing kyle bush say on the radio that they couldn't see at all when the sun was setting at first and the dust was everywhere um so they would have to improve on that for sure and then um had another one, but I guess I'll have to come back to it on, uh, on the second round here because I forgot it. Oh, that's okay. We will have another round here. So, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, as far as, um, you know, it seems to me the biggest issue would would probably be the dust. And, and like I said, visibility from my standpoint wasn't horrific, but um, you know, audio on the scanners, uh, <laughs> the drivers and spotters couldn't see, which is what led to some of those incidents late in the race. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, that led to the single file restarts uh, to try to help blow the dust off. So dust was, was certainly an issue from a visibility standpoint. And, you know, I guess, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to sit here and make suggestions, you know, maybe they could try to rework the track like they did between races. I I don't, you know, it does take some time though. And, you know, if you're going to stop a race mid race to try to repurpose the track, you know, it it would take some time. So I don't know how feasible that is, but, you know, maybe run it at night, um, you know, where the moisture isn't taken out of the track by the sun as much, you know, I'm sure these are all things that, that they'll look at for next year, but, um, you know, dirt track racing, Jay, Jay knows probably better than we, than most of us do. I mean, he does this a lot and, you know, it seems like dirt racing is better at night. So, you know, maybe that's the direction they'll go in. I mean, I would not argue about a, a night Bristol dirt race. I think that'd be pretty spectacular. So, um, but that's really the only big issues I could see. I'm sure there's more issues that would come up, but, um, you know, dust would, would probably be the big concern coming out of yesterday. Did they, did they give you free goggles, Sandy, or did you have to bring your own? <laughs> I didn't have any. Um, I wore sunglasses, which actually did a pretty good job. So uh, most people didn't have anything yesterday, and it, it really oh wasn't that bad. I, and I wear contact lenses too, and, and somehow it, it really wasn't really wasn't too bad. It seemed like the dust was more or less going straight up. It wasn't really going like, into the grandstands too bad. So um, certainly, you know, like I said, I got it in my teeth and I could, when it started to get in my eyes, I just throw my sunglasses on and it was okay. So honestly, um, you know, it didn't really get too much on me overall. I thought that, um, I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it turned out to be. Okay. Well, having the race at night is one of the things that I heard a lot about. And at first I was like, eh, I'm not so sure. But then when I kind of looked into it a little bit more and they talked about how the night air will, you know, the sun takes a lot of that moisture out of the track and is what causes it to be as dusty as it is. 
So having it at night will kind of retain that moisture in the track and uh, minimize the amount of dust. So I thought, well, maybe that's not a bad idea to have it as a night race uh, in order to prevent that. I don't know if it might be better to do that at the August race than the uh, March race, so uh, because I'm sure it can get very, very cool uh, when we're talking about uh, having a night race in Bristol on, uh, in March. Uh, or even early April, uh, where the weather is a little iffier. But uh, I do, I do know that uh, you know a lot of uh, people were talking about that Bristol Night Race, and I think that was one of the biggest suggestions that I heard. Uh, the other thing was uh, they were going to look at, and I know Paul Wolf said that they actually thought it went pretty well all things considered, but they're going to be looking at some things like when they did that practice and all that dirt was on the on the front of the trucks um, when they did that one lap. I thought it was two laps, Andy, but it was actually one lap uh, that they were able to run, and the trucks were just absolutely uh, covered with dirt, and it was causing heating problems uh, with just that one lap. So uh, I know that they're going to look at that and see what they can do differently. Uh, but then, too, it's not going to rain the way it rained this weekend every time they race on the dirt at Bristol. But they have to be prepared for that. So it's worth looking into. Uh, and he mentioned a couple of other problems where the dirt got in. Um, another thing that I heard was uh, uh, the possibility of taking the windshield uh, out of the car to make it easier for the drivers to be able to see. Uh, and I don't know if that's going to make it better or not, but we're at that time of the show where I need to do my uh, announcement, uh, especially for those people who have not tuned in before. We go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, which means that uh, we're going to go off of the air while we're talking uh, and so the rest of our conversation is going to be part of our bonus overtime material that's available on our podcast. What I do is when we get finished here at uh, on the radio show, I go out on Twitter and post that the podcast is available uh, and with the link so that if you've listened up to this point, all you have to do is fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So, uh, again, we like to alert people at this stage uh, because of uh, the fact that we will go off the air mid-sentence. We don't want anybody to be taken off guard with that. Just know that uh, you can hear the rest of it on the conversation, I mean, on the podcast. So uh, with that, Jay, I guess we'll go to you uh, for your thoughts. Uh, but I thought the windshield was an interesting one, too, because they made it a point to say that uh, – They've always raced on dirt with the windshield in NASCAR and in stock cars. So that would be kind of a break from that if they decided to do it. Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, first off, uh, I want to commend you, Sharon. You made a key point there of and the night racing thing is the direction to go. Uh, but your thought was, no, that's not a good idea. But you did some research and looked into it, and it made sense. That's where I think a lot of the people that were complaining and, and have these things don't take the time to do. 
yes, the sunshine of the day and, and the, the daylight hours and wind uh, definitely drives the track out even more. Some of it can be adjusted. I know I heard some talk about the different uh, using different dirt. That can be a factor, but uh, that's not going to eliminate it. I mean, any any dirt you put the cars on there and they start running like that, you're going to get that. So I thought the working the track in between. I know they talked about it and what they showed on TV. They were only watering the top uh, top lane, the top group which uh, that's something they may have to look at of, of doing a little more watering, if you can believe it or not. Uh, that is what it takes for a dirt track. And I know I put this in the group thing. Monday's race was actually the best conditions that track was going to be in. It was a little much water, I mean, obviously with the flooding, but uh, I know the, uh, I can't think of his name, the crew from uh, SMI, I apologize, I cannot think of his name, but uh he said that, I mean, truthfully, a rain shower is a good thing because Mother Nature's doing what they need to do. Uh, so that wasn't a bad thing. It just was a little too much. But that, the way they were able to work the track in when you saw it, looking at it on TV, uh, for that one looked so awesome uh, the way it started out. Now, your heavier cars and the cup cars are going to create more and cause more of it, which that's what the second thing, big thing that I think they need to look at is having a set of dirt cars for a preliminary race uh, in between. Uh, when the trucks run at Eldora, they'd run the big block modifieds. So taking a race or two of these that they did during the week prior of the uh, dirt track nationals there, pair one of them up with each set. For example, had the late models or modifieds run on Friday, before the truck race. Granted, we got more rain came in, so that ruined it anyway. But those first laps that the trucks made, a dirt track modified or late model would have been able to race on that because they are designed for that. Once the track then gets a little more packed in, the, the trucks wouldn't have been digging up as much mud and whatever and clogging up their, their uh, front ends and stuff. So I think that is a big thing they need to look at doing. Okay. Uh, so, Tommy, now you've got your chance for your follow-up. Do you remember what you forgot? <laughs> yes. So the the single-file restart, that was what I was going to say, could have been improved because I understand why they did it because the drivers were having difficulty seeing and there was about two wrecks in a row on those restarts. So I was for them changing it to there. However, it would have been really nice at the end because they went to overtime if they would have been able to do uh, how they normally restart and not single file. So, and I understand uh, it was even in Steve McDonald's where he said that once they make the decision, they have to stick with it. So once again, like I said, I understand. But it would have made it a little bit more interesting there at the end had they been side by side each other on the restart and not behind each other. So, um, But I'm actually, and I've been seeing on Twitter, too, about making this dirt race at Bristol at night even better. Uh, that would be awesome. And the trucks running and getting Xfinity, getting the Xfinity involved, I think they definitely need to do that. Um, make it a full week there again, or Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night, or however they want to do it. But 
either way, uh, I'm glad that it'll be back next year, and I want to see what else they're going to do with it in the future, too, because I think they might even consider bringing in different tracks. Okay, Andy. Yeah, um, trying to think about follow up on this one. Um, yeah, the restarts for sure. That was confusing. Um, uh, like I said, or like Tommy said, you know, certainly that um, was understandable why they did it that way. Um, you know, but it was. I think it led to quite a bit of confusion about rules changing midway through the race. So maybe that's something they can kind of look at in the future. I think that um, you know, double file restarts at the end of that race would have probably change the outcome of the race so um you know but but like we we talked about it at the onset of the show like you know there's a lot of things that will probably be tweaked for next year so like i said i really can't fault anyone for the decision making um you know i think overall um i think we got to be pretty pretty happy with with the product that was put in place so um it's hard to be really all that critical when you consider how much went into this. And I think for a first time out, it was, it was pretty successful. Yeah, I have to agree. I'm still on the positive side of it. Even, even though there are some things that we can see that uh, might be changed or, or could be improved upon overall, the racing was fantastic. And, and I'm happy it was fantastic. I was not sure what was going to happen. So the fact that it was as good as it was, uh, and maybe I'm a little bit biased, Jay, because Martin Truex just had a fantastic weekend. <laughs> Well, and that's something that I think the ones that are negative that comes into play because their favorite didn't do good. I think that is a huge factor for part of the negativity. So, uh, again, you're on the positive side of it. Uh, A couple of things here I can tell you. You're talking about the restarts. Uh, That's a common practice when it comes to dirt tracks. Normally in the driver's meeting they'll tell them if you can't get more than two laps in under green uh, to get going after a restart, they'll go back to single file. Some of it is due to drivers not being able to be patient. Sometimes it is the track. Normally it is a a rutting issue, or as they say, characters. In this case, it wasn't ruts. We saw a couple little holes. Um, But that's that's for the fans' purpose as well. Uh, In this case, with the dust, it was a visibility thing. But that is a common practice uh, at your dirt tracks. Uh, If you can't get a lap or two under green and get going, they'll bring it down to a single-file restart. Uh, A lot of tracks do the final 10 laps as well. They'll go to a single-file, which I don't want to see NASCAR go to that. We talked about this in some of the prelim stuff to a cup coming to this with what they were doing. You know, I think NASCAR wants to still maintain the NASCAR side of it, which goes back to the windshield. Uh, Mention that. That is one that I think with the cup cars and the way they are, I don't think you can, it's not as easy as just popping out the windshield. If you look at a dirt track modified or late model, they don't have a windshield, but they do have a roll cage and bars inside of there. Now you're talking about the helmet and having to have tear-offs on the helmet, and a dirt track car doesn't have the electronics in it that a cup car does. So you're opening up a new window of dirt getting into the car itself. Uh, A dirt car is made to have dirt in there. It's okay. You know, it's basically just the empty roll cage. So, you know, by by fixing one problem there, you might be opening up a whole other set of problems. So, 
Uh, I don't think that is necessarily the answer. I'm not saying it can't be. I know there was some talk about of how to attach. They had the tear-offs on the windshields of the cars of maybe a way that a driver could reach that. You know, I know with the way the cars are, they can barely get their hand out the window, but something to that effect of where the driver could do it. The uh, the other thing that, that I was a little disappointed with, uh, and we saw some of the drivers try it, and I know Christopher Bell spinning out from second was one of them getting up a little too high, of building what they call the cushion or the third lane. Uh, and Denny Hamlin was the other one in his uh, post-race interview that talked about it. Now, there's a couple things there. The track can do a little, the workers can do a little bit to try and develop that, but that is also on the drivers. If nobody goes up there early in the race and it gets cleaned up and builds, it's not going to be there at the end of the race. So that, too, is something drivers can do. And we saw Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, even Denny Hamlin was trying to use it. It was just too late, and now it's too slick up there. That's got to be built up through the race. Uh, so that, too, as drivers learn of how to do things, if they want that third lane there come the ten, last 50-lap shootout, they got to build it up there and at least edge their way up there throughout the race. So there, there's so many things that can be built upon, and we're talking about this already for next year. The roller coaster that I was on this year I think is going to be more of a straight-up build to it because, again, I just have faith in the improvements that are going to be made and the things that were learned. Uh, you know, same with the teams, the setups, everything. It, you know, I, it can only get better. Okay. Uh, so, Tommy, we're up to you to bring up our next hot topic and break it down. Let's go with the uh, streak of different cup winners uh, continues until when. Okay, we're up to seven now, Andy. Oh, sorry about that. I was just coming off mute. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Um, and it, it really begs the question of uh, how many different winners we see in the regular season. I think being up to seven in the first seven races, it might mean that Michael McDowell isn't a natural lock for the playoffs. It might mean that, you know, a couple guys that win races might be on the outside looking in, which we've never seen before. So um, there's a lot of guys that normally should win races and likely will win races that haven't won yet. When you look at Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, to name a few, um, you know, the usual suspects, if you will. Um, so to me, I think we see 16 or more winners in the regular season. And if so, that means, you know, someone that's won a race is possibly on the outside looking in. And I think it's a, a very real possibility uh, the way this season's going so far. Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Well, I had I had to go back and look at my article. Uh, so far, I'm still still good. Uh, what was it? Atlanta. I had picked uh, Brad Keselowski. Ryan Blaney won it. Uh, so I had the right team, but the wrong driver. However, Kyle Larson is a serious threat to that uh, with what he did at Atlanta and then coming in here to Bristol. Uh, I had picked one of the dirt guys, uh, Austin Dillon, who. Uh, did good in the in the nationals there in his uh, late model. I'm not sure what happened on the cup side, uh, but Joey Logano kind, kind of, of changes it. Yeah, well, I understand that, but uh, he's one that, <laughs> and his wasn't due to, to to an accident. You know, Bell and Larson were running good, 
when they got taken out, uh, Austin just wasn't wasn't ever there. Um, so with that, though, going into Martinsville, uh, again, I had confidence there as far as it being Chase Elliott, I believe, was who I had picked. The problem is, is Truex and Logano are two that have now won that certainly are going to be factors. They, they both won there. They've uh, had a side-by-side battle or a bumper-to-bumper battle there. But you still got Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, and um, Brad Keselowski who are good there. Uh, I think the issue now for me comes into Richmond, and that's where I had Denny Hamlin finally win it. So there, I think we can still get through Richmond. But like I said, with Joey Logano, Martin Truex now, and the way Kyle Larson has been running at all tracks, uh, it's getting a little tighter before we see that streak end. Um, but I still, like I said, Denny Hamlin, if Denny Hamlin were to win Martinsville or Richmond, Chase Elliott in there. And then we still got Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick. That's if Brad doesn't win one of those. Brad Keselowski hasn't won yet now. So we still have three that we consider almost guaranteed winners. Uh, you know, you can never guarantee anything. Harvick isn't having the best a year, but I don't see that holding up all year either. So I think we're still good through Richmond. Kansas is where the streak would tie, and we'd have to go past that for the breaking of it. That one, uh, I, I don't know if we're going to break the 10 now. I'll, I'll still stand by my article, but like I said, I haven't quite picked the right drivers for each one yet. Okay. Well, I think um, that I agree with a lot of what Andy said. I think that there certainly is. 26 races in the uh, regular season, and Andy's right, there certainly is a chance that we could see 16 drivers have wins uh, and maybe even more than 16 drivers have wins and some of those drivers with a win uh, being on the outside looking in if their points are not higher up the, the line here. Uh, so points are going to become paramount as this season progresses for that reason. Uh, and I think you'll see a lot of these drivers that are on that bubble uh, uh, maybe uh, forcing the situation a little bit, if you will, uh, in order to try to increase their points. The bad part of that is sometimes when you force that situation, you end up on the bad side of it. You end up doing the exact opposite of what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, but I think it's equally possible uh, that – we're going to have a first repeat winner uh, coming up here sooner rather than later. Uh, Denny Ham- I think Denny Hamlin has is, is got to be one of the favorites going into Richmond. Uh, so I put him on the list of another uh, first-time driver this season. But uh, we've got Martinsville before then, if I'm looking at my calendar right here. Yeah, we've got Martinsville before then. So uh, maybe Brad Keselowski, maybe Joey Logano becomes the first-time winner, maybe or a repeat winner, Martin Truex, uh, Kyle Larson. There's a lot of drivers who could win at Martinsville to make uh, the first uh, repeat winner. But just because we've hit that first repeat winner, yeah, we might not break the record, uh, but we're still on track, I think, for the possibility of having 16 winners uh, over the course of 26 events. And there's so many drivers that have not won, like 
not won yet, like Kevin Harvick, uh, who is a perennial winner. Uh, Chase Elliott, uh, you know, these, Denny Hamlin. These guys are bound to win uh, at some point. Brad Keselowski. I, I can't see them uh, coming into the – Kyle Busch is on that list. So uh, we're going to get a repeat winner sooner rather than later, I say. Uh, we probably – if we do, I'm happy for it, but uh, I, I think it's just as likely we're going to get a repeat winner uh, sometime soon. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that there's definitely a good chance that we can have a repeat winner at either Martinsville or Richmond with Martin Turex Jr. or Joey or Brad Kozlowski, uh, especially at Martinsville. Yeah. Uh, all three of them are really – competitive there. But then again, uh, Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott are also very good there, so they could definitely keep the streak going. And uh, this season so far has been uh, wide open, and Bubba Wallace is a good uh, short track uh, racer, so I wouldn't be surprised if he could even snag a win at Martinsville or Richmond, maybe. But um, So I see it both ways. Either the streak can can continue possibly, or we could finally get a repeat winner. But uh, the best chance for that to happen is at Martinsville and Richmond, I think, because after that you've got Talladega. Um, well, after that, Kyle Larson might could get Kansas, uh, but Talladega is definitely a wild card. And then we have Circuit of Americas coming up, which I'm really excited for. I would say in order now, I mean, I really like Martinsville. This is a great short track. I would put that right up there with Bristol. But I'm really looking forward to Talladega now and then Circuit of Americas for sure. Okay. Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, I I just think, you know, in talking about the schedule right there, I think that there's so many wild cards. you got Talladega, the short tracks, you know, road courses in particular, some new road courses before the end of the regular season that really opens some doors, I think, um, you know, to some, some drivers winning that haven't won already. I think that, you know, for, for some of the teams that are struggling right now, um, you got to think, you know, talking specifically about Harvick that come, come by, you know, the summertime into the second half of the year, they're going to get things figured out. I think that FHR is too good of an organization to not get things figured out eventually. So, um, yeah, you just, there's really, you know, I think doors open for a lot of different drivers, <coughs> excuse me, uh, to win this year more so than last year. And I'm not sure what the difference is, but, uh, just seems like there's way more players this year than we saw last year. So, um, I think it'd be pretty cool, honestly, to see, you know, more than 16 winners in the regular season. I don't know how feasible it is, but it'd be pretty cool because it would take points out of it completely. It would put all the emphasis on winning and it could make things um, get kind of desperate as the summer wears on for some of these guys with only one win to try to get that second win. So um, yeah, it's, it's really turned into a pretty intriguing season overall. Okay. Uh, Jay, your follow-up. Well, I've had two thoughts while you guys have been talking. We keep talking about Kevin Harvick. However, we looked last year at Kyle Busch. How long did it take into the season before he got his first <laughs> win? So that is a possibility. And, it, you know, comparing organizations, Stuart Haas to Joe Gibbs. 
The second would be, we've been talking about top drivers who haven't won yet getting that first win. What about Daniel Suarez? Because he is right on the verge, uh, you know, with this past weekend at Bristol. He ran good at Atlanta. Uh, That team seems to be clicking, and uh, I don't know where we are in the rotation, but we'll bring that up in another hot topic here. Uh, You're talking about Talladega. Again, we've seen it already this year with the, the Daytona 500 of an unknown or unexpected getting their first career victory. So, you know, that's a f- very uh, likely there at Talladega. Um, but any one of these, we talk about Denny Hamlin hasn't won yet. He may be the one to get be the first to get two victories. If he wins at Martinsville, comes back and wins at Richmond, he could still be the first one to get two <laughs> victories uh, with how strong he's been running. Uh, you know, what they say, I think this, how many top fives he has now already this year. Doesn't have the win, but he's in the top five. Well, if you're in the top five repeatedly, that win's coming. Yeah, but here's the thing. I think the whole dynamics and what we've known, uh, how this playoff works, could be a little kilter uh, this year. Because when Daniel Suarez was leaving, and it's funny that you brought him up, I kept thinking, man, if he wins this, this is really going to throw things off quite a bit. Because now uh, Michael McDowell right now is in – uh, he's 12th in the series points. So he, he's not displacing anybody at this point. But if Daniel Suarez gets that win uh, that we're talking about, he's knocking on the door of, he's 20th right now. But now he would jump ahead right now. If he, if he Let's say he won at Bristol. That would put him ahead of Denny Hamlin. It would put him ahead of Brad Keselowski. It would put him ahead of Kevin Harvick. Chase Elliott, Austin Dillon, um, all of those drivers that, that uh, don't have wins yet, he bounces right up above them when the playoff begins. So now some of these drivers that are toward the bottom, like Kyle Busch, uh, Kurt Busch, Alex Bowman, uh, that's 13, Ricky Senhouse Jr. is 14th, Kyle, Kurt Busch is 15th, and Alex Bowman is 16th. If enough of those drivers like Daniel Suarez wins, uh, they're going to bounce some of these top-name drivers right out of it. So it changes the whole dynamics uh, if if there are drivers without wins. And that's why I just think that some of these drivers are really going to be pushing for those stage points. They're really going to be pushing for every point that they can get uh, because it's going to make a world of difference more so, I think, than any other year. So I think the whole dynamics changes this year with the streak of winners that we have. And even if there's a couple repeat winners, uh, I think it still changes a lot of the dynamics. And uh, some of these drivers that are, are lower on the list are going to be in a lot more jeopardy than they think. Uh, if, if somebody like uh, Ryan Newman or Daniel Suarez, Chris Buescher, Ryan Priest, if those guys come up with a win, it's going to bounce them right out of the playoffs. So, Tommy, you get the final word on this. Uh, well, um, I was just going to add to the Harvick and Bush thing. Um, we could They could still keep the streak going because Kyle Bush is really good at Martinsville and Richmond, too. So there's the chance that it stays with uh, 
several different winners this year, or mm-hmm. the streak continues. On. But uh, I'm surprised with how uh, Harvick and SHR has been this year too. I don't. I was looking at the Bristol race at one point, and Harvick was 18th, and he was the only SHR car in the top 20. And I was kind of shocked. I was like, where are they at? Like, where's Briscoe? Which Almirola wrecked down on, like, the in the first 20, 30 laps. Um, he's had a rough year, too. But um, there's a good chance that the streak ends either at Martinsville or Richmond, in my opinion, just because – short tracks and who's good there, but this season is wide open and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Newman's running good now. We're talking about Suarez who's running good. I mean, there's just still so many good opportunities out there. I mean, Bubba could even upset here at Martinsville or Richmond too. So, I mean, it's just best season ever. (laughs) Okay, we'll let that be the last word. And it is time for our roundtable. So, uh, Andy, let's go ahead and start with you on the roundtable. Yeah, follow on Twitter at uh, CB14Fan. And um, looking forward to getting the uh, Fan at the Track article out this week. Uh, I'm actually going to write it tomorrow. So, um, try to add a little bit more to what we talked about tonight, which is um, something to look forward to. So going to get that piece out and, um, you know, just thankful to be back tonight after a little bit of an absence, but um, certainly always, always fun to be on here and um, understand it'll be a week and a half before we're back. So hopefully be on that one in time for uh, Martinsville next week and hope everyone enjoys their uh, off weekend and uh, the Easter holiday this weekend. Okay, Jay. No, I'm sorry. I get to do this tonight. This has been a while, been a while since I've got to stay on this long. <laughs> I know what the what's up with that? <laughs> uh, apparently, my apparently my phone has a bedtime. It just shuts down on me about this time. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, this Easter weekend, don't have a whole lot going on as it is the Easter weekend. Take the time for that. Uh, we were supposed to start running at your Capital City Raceway, Jackson Motor Speedway, but what hit Bristol also hit down there as well. So come April 10th, I think I'll be busy on Friday and Saturday. I think the Magnolia Motor Speedway is running the Golden Egg, and then I'll be working Jackson Motor Speedway for their season opener. And I will here coming up uh, looking at doing an article on Michael McDowell we talked about him uh, concept of the article might have to change a little bit as we look at where he is in points and the, the different winners so but look for an article on Michael McDowell coming out okay Tommy uh, I'm not working on anything currently but um, I can change that and I will change that and I'll uh figure out something and get something typed up for you guys so that way y'all can uh, uh, read read a new article from me. Uh, other than that, um, just want to say uh, thanks for having me back on and I uh, hope everybody has a nice off weekend this Easter. Okay, thank you. All right, now uh, we did have Austin Wayne Self from the NASCAR Truck Series on tonight. In the second half hour, in the third half hour, we had Cole Kaz on or I'm sorry, Cole Raz 
on uh, the show. He drives the late models uh, in the SRL series, but uh, he's also one of the finalists in the Alan Kowicki uh, Driver Development Program. So uh, it was really fun to talk with him about that. So if you haven't listened to those interviews, I really encourage you to go back and check those out. Also, uh, we do have no show for this Thursday, April the 1st, or next Monday, but Jay and I will be back on air on Thursday, April the 8th, and Regina Cervantes, our uh, guest from Rev Racing, will be talking to her about her season uh, with Rev Racing and part of the Drive for Diversity program. So uh, we'll look forward to being back on air at that time. Uh, I think Owen is working on the power ranking. Uh, we do have up on Fanta Racing right now uh, the uh, the uh, recap from Sam. He was going to do some heat race uh, recaps, but unfortunately we didn't have any heat races, so that never really materialized. But uh, we did get the recap, so uh, do enjoy that. And uh, so I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including FanforRacing.com, uh, where uh, we keep everybody up to date with what's uh, going on. Uh, a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate all of you. Uh, Austin Wayne Self, I kind of uh, tapped him on the shoulder. We've been scheduling in advance so well. The guy I had tapped for today, though, uh, did not work out, and so I went to Austin Wayne Self as kind of a last-minute request, and he stepped up to the plate for us, so uh, uh, we thank him for that. So, um, again, and a big shout-out uh, to all of our Fan for Racing crew. I hope all of you enjoy this Easter weekend uh, with uh, the time with your families. And if you're on the road, please drive safely. Uh, we want to see everybody back. And uh, I hope uh, the next racing will be at Martinsville uh, the weekend of uh, Friday, March, I'm sorry, April the 9th. So uh, that's when it all begins with the truck series, or sorry, with the Xfinity series on Friday night uh, in at Martinsville. So uh, again, enjoy the, the weekend uh, and the break, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to everybody when we get back. So with that, guys, I think we're ready to say good night. Good night. Good night. Have a good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.